Well, there, there's a reason we call it death piles and taxes. It's because i got a whole load of stuff that I just need to list, and I haven't been doing it. Well, Adam, you're not alone. That's why people are listening right now. I know that they're just tiptoeing around them death piles all around their houses and apartments. It's real fun to buy, but it kind of stinks to sell. So what can I do about it, buddy? Well, you're in luck. Uh, we've partnered with a great company called Sellhound. And what they're going to do is they're going to list all your death piles for you. They'll do the work for you. Oh, I love it when people do the work for me. How do I get in on that deal? Well, first off, they're going to let you try it. First two are free on the house. After that, man, they got simple plans. They're just going to make it easy. You take a few pictures, you send it over to them, and they do all the work. That sounds really too easy. And I've used it myself. It's awesome. D-Roy, what do our listeners have to do to take advantage of this? Just do Death Piles 25, Death Piles, all capital letters, at the end when you're signing up for your payment. And you'll save 25% off whatever plan you go with. That sounds awesome. Get on there, start listing, start selling so you can go out and buy some more stuff. Well, D-Roy, it's finally here. Man, they've been asking for it. You wanted it, and I dare say you've earned it. It's been nearly a year, and it is the Jerry Salone lot of stuff. It's the special special episode we've been uh, talking about for, yeah, over a year now, so... Um, we've gotten the reviews. We're doing well on the iTunes. Adam got me. Adam um, got me. You know, we, we started a Facebook page. Where we get people listening. So here's here's the deal. Um, I was sticking to the Apple uh, Apple page where we're, we're not close to our 60 yet. But Adam said, no, dude. You said once we got 60 positive reviews. And he's an accountant, so he can find things in places I don't even know exist. So, uh we got Facebook likes, we got uh, subscribes and likes over on YouTube, we got... We got Podbeans. Podbeans, and... Uh, we got a dog catcher. Stitcher dog, every other... Uh, snitcher. Pod host that you've ever heard of. iTunes radios. Adam's like, no. Oh, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio. So, so uh, he said, we got 60, man, we're, we're doing the show. And so, a couple weeks back, we kind of talked about it, and even since then, I know you've had a couple people reach out and say, hey, when you're doing the show, I've had the same. People like, hey, so... You said you're doing this Jerry Slum bonus show. Are you just, like, teasing us, or are you going to do it? They can't wait any longer. So here it is. Um, part of it is, this is going to be a long episode. It's not going to be your typical death pile and taxes show where we just talk about eBay and what we've done. Uh, this is all related to reselling, but it's going to be very heavy on um, 1990s-ish. A story. Utah Jazz slash the story of how you find stuff like this. When you buy stuff like this, how's it go? Uh, there's... A little something for everyone in this, so even if it doesn't seem like your cup of tea, I'd say brew you up some hot chocolate or whatever you drink, coffee, tea, sit back, put that, uh, you know, that new blanket you just got for the holidays around you, and, and uh, hunker down and listen to this uh, this tale. Neither one of us are, um, what do we want to call it, uh, power of the poet that can write well? No, uh, spelling is not our... Fortway. Uh, Fortway. Fortnite. Um, it's not a Fortnite. <laughs> but we can both tell a story with the best of them. So this is pretty much our audio book that we've talked about writing for a while. Yeah, and it's going to be, I understand it's going to be long and lengthy, and if you don't want long and lengthy, uh, you know, skip ahead or go to the next show. We appreciate you. This is, you guys earned it, so I don't want to cut it short or, or try to. But this is going to be the diamond in the rough. Yeah, long story short. Long, Here we go. Long story longer, man. That's this episode. Derek found a, a an extremely... Crazy buy, and he bought a lot of items. 
Yeah. And it, it is pretty much his uh, golden goose. And we're going to go soup to nuts on it, as they say. Ooh. I don't know what soup to nuts means, but we're going soup to nuts. So this is Derek's Jerry Salone episode, and let, let's get to it. This is just one big derailment, so uh, if you uh, have any questions, Adam, feel free to stop me. If not, I told Adam, hey, we're not going to do commercials. We're just going to go, and, and when we get there, we get there. And uh, So I'm going to line this up. You know, Derek grew up in Utah. I grew up in Nevada. I was kind of had that uh, Utah tie with the Utah Jazz because at the time that was our only sports team, and let's be honest, it still is. Real doesn't count. Yeah, I didn't say that, but I didn't believe it. <laughs> so um, going into it, watching the Utah Jazz, watching Jerry Salone, like that's been our thing. And let's, it, it was a national story. Oh, it was a big deal, and, and part of the reason I'll get into it too is because there was a man involved by the name of Michael Jordan. Who? The, they say the GOAT. There's this big uh, greatest of all time. There's this debate whether it's Jordan, Kobe, or LeBron. Or you can go back to, like, I don't know. No, uh, you're, you're talking the Apollo Creed. That's his name. The, the new Creed show, his name's Michael B. Jordan. Is that the guy you're talking about? Wow, Adam's pulling in some, like, references from movies that are about a year old for him. That's like, you know, might as well be talking Star Wars. It's, it's Apollo, man. It's Rocky. <laughs> Those are classics. Well, I mean, Rocky and Apollo. We can have that whole show debate whether or not. Well, Rocky's still in it. Yeah. Man, you're already getting derailed. But Michael B. Jordan, Oh, this right? is going to be just a bunch of derailment, so. Oh, you're talking. Your name. Michael Jeffrey Jeffrey. Jordan. The one that was cut from his uh, middle school team. That's, right. That's always the story. Team. And uh, it's been bitter ever since. So, you know, we can get into that debate all you want. But for somebody that's seen um, all three of those major, I, I can't go back to, like, the Oscar Robinson or Will Chamberlain days. No, those are but, before us. But for seeing uh, Jordan in his prime, LeBron, I think, has been in his prime, and, Le- and uh, Kobe in his, his prime, and not being necessarily a fan of either of the three because, you know, you have the Jazz in the fight, no doubt in my mind that Jordan's the best player ever. And he always will be, and if anyone the guy took off two years to go play baseball. <laughs> In the prime of his career. And maybe, you know, try to get some... Uh, there's always the speculation of they were just trying to get this uh, gambling habit under control because man was so competitive that he uh, he uh, he was just very competitive. Let's just put it that way. Pete Rose might not have had anything on Michael. And, and now, like, his uh, jump man like logo is now on college football jerseys. Guy's a, a multi-billionaire and, you know, love him or hate him, you got to say... Yeah, he was he was great, and that plays into this as well, and that might be part of the reason why some of my stuff is, is sold as well as it has, and I'll get into that. But uh, we have to find. So this is a Saturday. Typically, me and Adam record on a uh, you know Thursday night, Thursday Wednesday night, and we go for maybe an hour, hour and a half. Some people complain about that at that point. We have to schedule a special day during the holidays to come in early and just say, hey, we're just going to go as long as it goes, and that's just it. So that's what happened today. Adams came over. We've opened up the. Uh, palatial estate here at the Adam Up Accounting Studio, and uh, let's just get into it, Adam. All right, so you tell me how this happened. You tell me how you got a hold of, I'm just going to give some things, you have some signed John Stockton 1992 Olympic Dream Team shoes. Hey, now, yeah, I guess I can't get mad at you for all this. Yep, that's coming to light here. I mean, you have some very unique Jerry Salone items that no one else has, how in the world did you come across those things? Exactly. And we're going to get to that. I like how I had prefaced it. We grew up in uh, Utah in the 90s, which was the hype of the Utah Jazz. Probably the best team they've ever had. 
There's no problem about it. <laughs> yeah, the stock and the loan era. Uh, we have the, the common loan bonus show. You can go back to that and kind of get the, the ground. I mean, there's car dealerships named after Well, I mean, there's guys that play basketball that are named after these dealerships if it's based on your crew at your office. Yeah, you never. now there's kids that don't know that Carl Malone John Stockton were basketball players. They just think that they're car salesmen. But um, growing up at that time, as I talked about in that episode, it was it was a it was a big deal. Um, we didn't have social media. The internet wasn't so prevalent. So a lot of what you did is you'd watch the jazz or your local team. But for us, it was the jazz. Like I said, my grandparents would come over uh, basically every game because they didn't have cable. And we'd watch the jazz. We'd sit down on the couch, and and that's what we did, you know. And that was a lot throughout the country. Is people would watch family time. People would get together and they'd watch their team. And you were a Bulls fan, or you lived out here and you were like a, a jazz fan in the small little bubble where we were. So, um, so that's what we would do. Uh, basically, Jerry Salone was a, a man that was almost mythical. Uh, going back, he started off as the he was called the original Bull Adam. He played for the Chicago Bulls. He was a Chicago Bull, um, very hard-nosed player, very physical, uh, according to his own self, and I think we might put some of his quotes and stuff in here, like I did with that Carmen Lone show. That was kind of fun. Man who put on the jock strap and just went to work. He went to work, and he was physical, man. He might not have had all the talents, but no one was going to outwork Jerry. So growing up in this area, he was uh, he was like a, you know, a mythical coach. You have, like, Lombardi. You have... Um, Tom Landry. Tom Landry. You have some of these people where they're almost legendary. Jerry Sloan was definitely that in these parts, as far as I'm concerned. Going so much that I remember if Jerry Sloan came to town and stopped at a gas station, and maybe Mike Painter's brother Clinton saw him, it was like national, big big news at the school the next day. Guess who stopped and got gas in Nephi? And, and even a couple years back, if Jerry Sloan showed up at the Wendy's and I was eaten by my cousin, like, I'd get a text message. You're like, guess who I'm eating next to? It was almost like, so with Grandma, you had, like, you know, the picture of the, the current Ronald Reagan, whoever the president might have been at the time. You might have a religious picture, and you have Jerry Sloan. That's right. It was like the trinity of people. You had, you had... You know, your, your uh, whatever political link you had, religious link, and Jerry Sloan. That's right. I mean, sports is a religion, especially, you know, when that's uh, what a lot of people do. And what Jerry said goes, we're an very conservative place, but Jerry Sloan was the only, about the only person I know that could get away with going out on the court and just uh, just yelling profanities at the whoever. And everyone's like, well, Jerry's just telling it the way it is. He might get some technicals, and they were proud of it almost. Like, that needed to be said. We're glad Jerry went out and did it. We're... Anyone else did that, it would have been that man. That man, How dare he? And uh, a lot of people had like this belonging with the, with the Jazz as well. You were a part of it. And Jerry was out there leading the team. Uh, There's interviews with Jerry talking about how if people didn't want to comply, this is coming from uh, John Stockton Carmelo, that he'd go out during practice, and if they weren't going to run the plays or whatever, he threatened, he, he'd ask them if they wanted to go outside and fight if they weren't going to listen to him. So if you go back and look, you might not be a jazz fan, but go back and look at Carl Malone in his prime. Is you know uh, what was he about six eight and just shredded muscle head to toe, kind of like LeBron James, but not as fast. Basically, yeah, yeah. So you got Jerry Sloan in his sixties, and uh, if Carl doesn't want to run the play, Jerry's saying, "Let's step it outside. Let's throw down." He will punch you in the face. And, and Jerry wasn't wasn't messing around, so he he demanded respect, and he was a uh, uh, very um, authoritative but very popular almost deity-ish figure to a lot of people in this area. So 
just laying the groundwork because we got a lot of people that aren't from Utah and probably weren't born in the 90s to understand why this is even a thing that we want to do a bonus episode about. So for, uh, for me, this is like a, uh, a treasure trove that was found. I mean, you know, you just found the Pope's uh, yeah. storage unit. For I mean, it, it's like you came across, you know, Brett Favre's, you know, what it's it's like uh, the Boston Red Sox, you know, uh, Kurt Schilling bloody sock. It's like you have that in your possession. There, there's something that's really cool. So um, I'm on Facebook and uh, going through things, and this is probably how oh, probably about three years ago, and get into the eBay online selling, and I'm just looking for things to flip, just like everyone out there that's listening. Yeah, everyone out there is kind of doing the same thing, and I see this. Um, it was from Evansville, Indiana. I'm not going to say the name of the company because of some things I'm going to say later. And you can you can figure this out or you can Google me, I'll tell you. But I don't need a lawsuit, and I think there could be with some of the stuff I'm saying. Ooh. So I'm, I'm, we're getting into it. So uh, this company in Evansville, Indiana, does large estate sales. And I see this Jerry Sloan estate sale. Click here, you know, get to the auction, basically. And I'm like, what? What is this? Jerry Sloan's not dead. And at this time, I'm thinking estate sales equals somebody has passed away and they're selling all their stuff. Right? That's normally what estate sales are. So I'm like, huh. So I Google up, make sure Jerry's not dead and I missed it somehow because that would have been headline news. Even when Jerry Sloan uh, quit coaching, I remember the day. I remember the text chain that was going around to everyone in disbelief that, that Jerry's is done. And so I thought, well, surely, because he hasn't been the best help, uh, but I thought, surely if Jerry's passed away, we'd have all heard about it by now. It would have been National Day of Mourning. It would have. We'd have had flags at half mass at the Delta Center and all around. That's a true story. And it will happen at some point, and that is what will happen. So Jerry Sloan um, was married to a lady named Bobby. And Bobby Sloan and Jerry lived in Utah primarily, and then they had a house back in uh, the Indiana area, he grew up in, uh, I think it was McLeansboro. Um, I don't remember if that was uh, Indiana or Illinois, but somewhere in that Midwest region. Wow. And so... Illinois, McLean's, wow. So they had... Uh, that's no Google machine either. That's no Google. I've, I've done my research. So they had a home there. And the other story about Jerry, I talk a lot about the NPS store, is there's people... Now, I'd always run into Ed Smart. You know, you remember the Elizabeth Smart story? Yes. Every time I go to the... Uh, to the MPS store in Salt Lake on the industrial side, we ran into Ed Smart, who was uh, was her, well, is Elizabeth Smart's father. But one day I was up there with uh, Cole from the show and my sister, my brother-in-law Cole, and her her parents were up there. And Mallory just starts, my sister just starts chatting away with this, you know, with the Smarts. No, no clue who they are. And she's like, man, they look familiar, very nice. I said, you know who that was, right? No, I said that's Elizabeth Smart's parents. Oh, oh, it was. And they probably liked it because they had a normal conversation with somebody that they bring up their daughter from 20 years ago and all that situation. And since then, Ed Smart's made news of his own and, and their family and different things. Not going to get into all that, but every time I go up to NPS store, I'd see Ed Smart. Nice guy, just, just getting some discount shopping on like the rest of us, I guess. But rumor had it, and everyone that told me is, you ever see Jerry Stallone there? And I said, no. They said, you go there a lot. No. Jerry Sloan was notorious for being in the NPS store over in the industrial side <laughs> looking for John Deere tractor parts and these weird light bulbs that you can't find anywhere, but they'd have them so that he could restore his tractors. 
And, and that's, you know, he grew up in, in Illinois, and as far as I'm just doing a little more, he's the youngest of 10 kids, grew up on a farm, so he obviously had, you know, had to do some hard work. Yeah, he's a farm boy. He's a, I think he's always talking about how lucky he was to get to play basketball because it was getting out of, yeah, doing the farm, actual hard work. Um, I remember coaching, he always said it wasn't, I mean, he knew basketball very well, but that's about it. You know, he's very, very hardworking guy. And so growing up there, obviously, he knows what tough is. I probably grew up during the Depression, I'm, I'm assuming, or in that era. Anyways, was able to play basketball. But he kind of has this down-home feeling, and he liked to restore tractors. And he was John Deere. Every time you saw an interview with him, he had his John Deere hat on. And so over at the MPS store, everyone always asks me that. So there's always this mythical, you know, Jerry Sloan does this or that. So um, McLeansboro and uh, this this places out of Indiana, what they do is, so Jerry Sloan, so Bobby Sloan passes away. She has, um, I think she had, it might have been a long bout with cancer. She might have had multiple bouts, but uh, eventually she, she passes away. And it was a tough time. I remember that. I think he was still coaching at that point. And it was kind of a rough stretch, and he kept coaching kind of because you need something to focus on because obviously you're grieving, and that's, you know, they've been together for, for multiple years, had a bunch of kids, so on and so forth. So, uh, a few, it wasn't overly long, it might be a couple of years, Jerry marries a new lady out here in Utah. Yeah, Tammy. And so from what I gather is Tammy doesn't need all this stuff back in... Uh, in Indiana. In Indiana or wherever this house is in Illinois. And, I mean, I don't think Jerry really cares about... From what I gather from this whole story, Jerry does not care about possessions. Well, and he's he's battling his own um, things anyway, so his health... Well, now health and stuff, but yeah. even at this time, I mean, this is still three years ago, and they purchased the the, yeah. uh, the whole estate probably a few years before that April, going through in it. In April of 2016, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's, so he was physically <clears throat> and mentally starting to go downhill so, so they're probably trying to get rid of some stuff, so basically... They go to this estate sale company. They're getting rid of their death pile. Like, they're taking care of it before it happens. Because, you know, as we get into the story, Jerry was a hoarder. I think Bobby was a hoarder. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about if Jerry knew or cared. Well, you're probably right. But here's the I thing. I think Bobby you, wanted to keep everything. You have to realize also that this is pre-internet era. Like, the internet has literally changed the world. And, and for anybody who didn't live in that, that time period to know what the world was before the Internet, like, if you didn't have that television channel, you would have to wake up the next morning and get the actual newspaper and open it and look at the stories, read the box scores, you know, see whose story got in there. So that's a lot of, you know, Bobby kept everything. From what I gather is Bobby understood this is cool. She understood that her husband was a thing. Um, this is how I take it. They had a lot of uh, farmland, and they had a lot of uh, probably barn-type storage buildings. I think Jerry cared about his tractors, uh, basketball, and his family. I think that was about it. Yeah. So he'd come home with all this cool stuff or have it shipped to him or whatever, and he could care less, and Bobby just took care of it. And once she passed away, it just was sitting in the barn. Was, that, that's, the, that's the way I understand. Gathering that, That's my circumstance because there's no way I should have a lot of the stuff that I have. <laughs> And there's no way that this should have been for sale where it was for sale. And, um, I mean, so I get to do my research. This is like the third auction. 
This isn't the first auction of Jerry Sloan stuff. And you just came across this on Facebook, whatever. Yeah, just a random Facebook ad that they put out. And once I talked to them, they said, yeah, we were kind of targeting the Utah area because obviously yeah. this stuff's a lot more valuable to Utah. But uh, a lot of stuff I bought was sports-related. But they had, I mean, toys and, like, collectibles. And, I mean, imagine everything that somebody could accrue in that, that lifetime. So, um, so Bobby, uh, you know... Get sick, passes away, and I think they just are focusing on coming out here to Utah, uh, probably min- minimalizing, and and uh, coach's health went downhill. So uh, they sell off. Basically, this whole estate sale company goes in and offers them X amount of dollars for the whole estate. They make the deal. Now the estate company owns everything. They go through it. They're putting it all in lots, and they're selling it off is what they do. So... Uh, this auction that I find has 423 individual lots. 400 and, <coughs> like, 423 items, right? Lots. So some are boxes, some are individual things, just 423 individual auctions going. It was going for maybe a month, something like that. Uh, once I found it, it, it was almost overwhelming for me to see everything. And then I'm looking at my bankroll, I'm talking to my wife and saying, hey, we're going all in. Uh, I know we're kind of still newer at this point to this online retailing thing. But we've had a couple of good years, and I'm going all in because some of this stuff is once-in-a-lifetime stuff. And a lot of what I got, they didn't know what they had, and I didn't even know it was for sale with what I was buying, which came our way. So I get to scrolling through the thing, right? Okay. And I'm not usually a big list guy, whatever, but... Uh, I printed off a lot of stuff for this, so we'll just read through it. And so this is what I'm seeing. I see, like Adam said, we have John Stockton autograph Barcelona Dream Team 1992 Olympic Air Jordans. Or, excuse me, Nike Airs. Okay. Uh, Air Force One shoes. And these shoes, if you go over to uh, eBay, uh, some of the stuff's for sale. I'm not, I'm not doing this show to sell my stuff, necessarily, but if you want to look at it, it's there. And... Uh, if you know anything about John Stockton, um, he's notorious for one, being pretty reclusive. He didn't give a whole lot of autographs. No. He was very, uh, he thought he was just a normal guy, almost to the point that he put off people. Yeah. With, I'm not going to give you an autograph. Unless, even kids, like, yeah. no. Like, just just go away. Yeah. I just want to be a normal guy, live a normal life. So, to see a pair of shoes, which, the Dream Team, we could do a whole show about that, but that was... I mean, at that time, they were just, might as well have been uh, farting through silk, man. They were they were something special. And uh, we were lucky here because we had Malone and Stockton on the Dream Team, but you forget Jerry Salone uh, was a assistant coach. So he was with the Dream Team, and I don't know how he necessarily accrued a lot of this stuff, but I'm guessing it was given to him. So this was a pair of uh, uh, game-used Olympic Dream Team-used shoes, that had been signed by John Stockton, and on the shoes, John Stockton writes Barcelona 1992 and signs them. A pair of shoes. And, and just to kind of help a little bit, to put this in perspective for those of you who are not familiar, like the Dream Team, this is the first time that the Olympics had really allowed NBA players to enter, and the NBA put together the best of the best. And this is before we had a lot of international teams that were even great, so... Yeah. Players would stop during the game and try to get their pictures taken with these players and autographs. Other Dur- players. During the games, yes. if you remember. During the games. I mean, we're talking 
Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Pat Ewing, Chuck Barkley, Larry Bird, Carl Malone, John Stockton, I mean, Clyde Drexler, Scottie Pippen. As much as we like Malone and Stockton, they were coming it's off Malone. the bench and not getting a whole lot of game play because they weren't uh, David Robinson. They weren't the stars of these teams. So and, and Christian Leitner. And so, so I see that, and I'm almost thinking, you know, that alone. And I'm just telling you, this is just the lots that I bought that we're going through. Um, I'm not going to go with everything that was there because there's just. Uh, 400 different things, right? And I went through this last night, and I thought, man, if I could go back, would I have done it a little different? And I probably would have bought more, but I still am going through stuff. So, And it's been years ago. Um, the next item was Carl uh, Malone autographed, and they just had autographed L.A. Tech shoes. Well, I got looking into them. They were also from the Dream Team. Um, they were the red, white, and blue. I don't know if you remember the L.A. He had the catapult shoes, Carmelone. Anyway, they they weren't around for a long time. LA Tech. I don't think they're still even a company. But these were another Dream Team pair of shoes, autographed by Carl Malone, that are sitting here, you know, just hanging out in Jerry's barn. I'm guessing. In Jerry's barn in Indiana. And uh, not everybody knew what this was. I I don't think when the uh, company went through and did all their research. They understood what they had because... Well, there was like 450 boxes. 450, and and this is just one of... I think there's three or four auctions, yeah. so... So this is auction number three by the time you got into it. So I see this, and I'm like, man, this... Is, they don't even mention that it's Dream Team. They don't mention Olympics. You know, they just thought it was some Carmel and Sign shoes, which are cool enough, but you throw in that Dream Team, yeah, now you're in some rarefied air. Uh, we had some Carmel and these were Converse, but they were like the old school... Like 1980s game use shoes, and they're autographed. Um, so Mark Eaton, if anyone remembers Mark Eaton, he was a, a good defensive player. Yeah, our friend Chris Painter's favorite player. Uh, got a couple guys' favorite player. But anyways, some old shoes that were autographed by Mark Eaton. They were also game used. And then there was some us also some other John Stockton game used. These weren't Olympic, but signed shoes. So there again. Uh, John Stockton didn't sign a whole lot of stuff and game used stuff from the 90s still around. To me, it was pretty rare. And so I'm going through all this, and I'm just almost bookmarking, but I'm like, how in the world am I going to own all this? How am I going to make all this happen? Because these were the things um, I'm reading right now is that what I actually got, but they were sticking out to me. And I mean, this is a couple pages, folks, so hunker down. I know it might sound like the Bible when you're going through the numbers of begot, begot, begot. But just think about all these items. If you were to see them for sale or at a thrift store or whatever. Um, you know, it's almost like you're hitting the kaching and, and there's not a whole lot of people in there as your competition trying to buy it, especially now that they're willing to go in and uh, do it for reselling purposes and all that kind of a thing. Uh, then I got basketball that was just signed by the 1992-1993 Utah Jazz team, right? Well, while I was doing that, there's two other basketballs that were signed by Utah Jazz team, so I might as well throw them you know, on, my, on my bidding list. Uh, I haven't even looked into this, but there's an old basketball. I remember that one. And it says autographs include Jerome Whitehead, uh, Bob Currington, uh, Brian Taylor, and Sidney Wicks. I haven't even looked into that. I don't know who these players are. They might be Hall of Famers, or they might be nothing, but it was very old. Like just, You can tell when you see a basketball that was like from the 50s or 60s. This was one of those, and autographed by people. Um also, there was an autographed basketball from the 1996-1997 Western, and it says Western Conference champions on it, and that was the team that went on to the uh, 
to the finals, if I'm if I'm thinking right right now. Nice six ninety seven. Yeah. That yeah. Was yeah. Nice. Okay. So got that ball. Uh, framed picture. Uh, it was this Utah magazine of Carl Malone, nicely like professionally framed, signed by Carl Malone. Um, and then here's when we get into the fun stuff, and I'll come back to all these. I'm just reading through everything. And I'll come back to especially these duffel bags and what was inside of them. So there's a duffel bag. So there's All Star Weekend, and they had these duffel bags. And I guess when you went as a, a coach or a player or Bobby Salone, you would just fill this full of just stuff, everything you could find. So I have a uh, All Star Weekend 1990 duffel bag. So it's like when you go to the hotel and and the cleaning lady leaves her uh, cart out and you oh, would man. go to town and just load up on soaps and shampoo. Except for, we're talking like knit caps. Packs of just random, not even just hotel, like imagine you're a kid in a candy shop and you can just grab packs of cards or like itineraries or ta- like just like everything that you could get your hands on and you're stuffing these duffel bags full and then they must have just shipped this stuff home and put them away in this uh this barn, I don't know if she was, never thought of it again. I don't know if she was thinking we'll go back and sell this when we're old and want to retire. If we ever need money, maybe the kids take it. No, I, it's just a huge death pile, like you said. I, I mean, here's the thing: is you get people of that era. You know, when I say that era, like they grew up during the Great Depression, like they didn't have enough soap to go around. Yeah, like they're the kind of people that recycled aluminum paper. Like we just met with Grandma the other day and and Christmas, and she was showing my children. How to carefully unwrap the gift. So you reuse the, yeah. <laughs> so they can reuse the paper. Yeah, yeah. No, we had some of that down at the, uh, the Everett family Christmas. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they, yeah, that might be a part of it. So these items, so at some point, John Stockton gives um, Jerry Sloan these autographed pair of shoes. He could probably care less, but he knows there's something to it. He gives it to Bobby. And Bobby just puts it out in the storage barn. Yeah, just throws it out there. And that's where it sat for, for decades. Yes, for decades, literally. And the Carmelone shoes, just like, oh, these are cool. Yeah, let's put them out there. And so, uh, at some point, it all comes to, to fruition here. Um, there was another all-star. There's going to be a lot of duffel bags. I'll get into what was in the duffel bag, but I'm just going to read through what we have. Uh, all-star weekend 1995 duffel bag. A duffel bag from when the Utah Jazz played the Phoenix Suns November 3rd. This is in the uh, actual thing. November 3rd and 4th in 1990 in Tokyo, Japan. Oh. And it says on there, Utah Jazz versus Suns, Tokyo, Japan. I don't know how many games were going on in the 90s in Japan. Probably not a whole lot. I'm not sure. And and some of these bags, you can tell there's things in there. Others said, hey, there's some things in here. But it didn't show you what was in the bags. It's kind of like the storage unit war. You have no idea. It was a lot like a storage unit war, but I thought... Goodness, what could be in that bag? Like, and in some of them you can kind of see baseball-looking hats. They weren't zip-tied. In other ones, you can tell they were kind of a bulging bag. And you're just like, there's some good stuff in there. I just need to get in. Like, my whole thing was, I need to get that just to see what's in there. Because who knows? Uh, the other, let's see, let's see. Uh, so we got the Japan duffel bag. We had an All-Star weekend from '92. All-Star or All-Star weekend from '93. NBA Finals 1998 large duffel bag that was chock-a-block full. And I'm like, oh, man, that one's got me just salivating. Uh, let's see, a uh, all-star, let's see, Charlotte bag from 91. NBA Finals 1997 leather duffel bag. 
Uh, NBA Finals, 97, like I just said. Just a random Utah Jazz duffel bag. A duffel bag with Nike embroidered Jerry. So, um, then let's see, more duffel bags. Orlando, All-Star Game. Uh, Chicago, and this is going to be one that we come back to. Chicago, 1988 All-Star duffel bag. Ooh. And, and all they say on some of them is, um, includes content inside. And others didn't say anything. And this is long before, like, uh, the pampered players. Like, this is back, if you don't remember, like, the, David Stern, the commissioner, he basically said, you're wearing a shirt and a tie. Like, you had to wear a collared shirt. Like, it wasn't like what these guys wear now in their crazy fur coats and their capri pants. Like, you were, you were uh, like, Sunday best. And the duffel bags, like the things that they carried, like these guys took care of them themselves. They didn't have an entourage. Like these are guys that woke up and went to work every single day. Like, well, and we're talking Jerry Sloan, too. He's yeah. not a player, so I'm like, this is coaches' stuff. Yeah. Like, who knows what's in there? I didn't know a whole lot about Bobby at the time. I knew that she, you know, had lived and existed and passed away, but I didn't know a lot of the research that came in. And I always say, go search your uh, Google, you know, whatever, do your research your souls and stuff. You can't look up Jerry Salone owned 1996 NBA Finals bag. No, there's not too this, many of those. I know this is once in a lifetime type things, and I'm, in my mind, I'm like, what could be in there? <laughs> it could be all the plays he ever ran. It could be, uh, it could be, you know, it could be anything. And and we're gonna get to it, but there is one particular <laughs> item that I'm still baffled by. Oh, there's there's several, but yes, I know what you're talking the, about. I just found it on the phone, so I've got the you picture. Got, okay, uh, enough. I have to send pictures. Uh, there was uh, just a box full of Utah Jazz 1997. Um, they were like these mini basketballs. Yeah, yeah. And they were the championship one. Then there was a uh, University of Arizona one, because I guess they won the national championship that year. But there was one that's just signed by the whole team that I just sold this Christmas season for a couple hundred dollars. Ooh. I think it was about $300. A lot of this I've just held on to. I've been slowly putting up. Um, there was... So there's this big box, almost like that box you have over there, that storage file box. Yeah, they're banker's boxes. Just full of things. And, and by that box, you mean over there? Like, that is a box from the lot. Oh, is that one? Yeah, that's the one you gave me. Oh, okay. That's why I brought it up. I didn't, I, I didn't know. Yeah, that's ex- okay, that's exactly what it that was. That storage file is from the I box. Know, I, didn't know I, gave you the, I didn't know I gave you the box. Okay. So there was a box like uh, one of these just banker boxes. Yeah, you can see right on it that Bobby wrote All-Star 1993. So it's just full of things. And on the top I see this thing and I zoom in on it. It's a laminated parking pass for the Delta Center that says Jerry Sloan. (laughs) And it says, I don't remember what year it was, but I'm like, that's awesome. That's Jerry Sloan's parking pass that he hung up in his car to go park in the arena. You know? (laughs) Who has that? So... Apparently his wife kept on to it. So, yeah, and it was just full of like, if that's what's on top of the box, what's in there? Uh, there was, this was kind of odd. So, going back to the jazz stuff, and this is kind of odd, I say. Um, if you remember, we talked about Hot Rod Hunley during the Carl Malone episode. Hot Rod. Hot Rod was like, he was the jazz announcer, but he was like a number one overall pick for the L.A. Lakers. He was a big deal. Yeah, he was, you know, Chick Hearn, you know. He was back in an earlier era, but he was, he was, I mean, he won. I remember Kobe Bryant went out of his way to get his picture taken with Hot Rod before Hot Rod passed because he, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to say about Kobe, he, he knows the game, historian of the game, he knew Hot Rod was a big deal. Yeah. And so Hot Rod becomes the jazz announcer, and he, 
razzle dazzle, you know, uh, three point uh, cowhide globe hits home. Just had all these catchphrases. But he was the jazz announcer for I don't even know how many years. Probably thirty years, forty years, something like that, for a long time. He was there for a while. So at one point, Hot Rod Hunley dies. And I'm guessing Jerry Sloan inherits things from Hot Rod Hundley. Yes. So I have. Uh, oh, that's right. I have a a Pat Riley signed pitcher, but it's to Hot Rod Hundley from Pat Riley as a Lakers coach during the Showtime Lakers. Hey. Um, I forgot about that one. Three Rick Majerus autograph pitchers oh. that are made out to Hot Rod Hundley. Now Rick Majerus just went into. I think it was the National. Was it the Basketball Hall of Fame or yeah, just? He did. Or just for the, the collegiate. Hall of Fame, yeah. He uh, he was the University of Utah head coach, but he was the one that got him to the Final Four. Um, and he was not your typical coach. He was a big boy. He was a big guy. He'd have been in the Husky section. <laughs> yes, he would have. There's a lot of colorful stories about Rick, especially around these parts. But at that time, he was a pretty nationally uh, renowned coach and big Rick. Anyways, just three random like but random items. But we're talking about like professionally framed, um, about the size of that picture on your wall there. Yeah. So we're talking. I don't know what's that about. About three, yeah. three by two. Yeah. Something like that. Autographed to made out to Hot Rod Hundley from Rich Majerus and and uh, so got those. Um, I got some Hot Rod um, like when he was a kid, high high school type. But they're professionally framed with him, newspaper type clippings. They must have had in his house. Uh, they're all professionally framed. Um, then there was a box that had, and this will come back to play, a, a Christmas ornament, and we're in the holiday oh, yeah, season. That's right. That was signed by Carl Malone, and it had a John Stockton practice jersey in it. Um, then there's another box that had a Carl Malone practice jersey in it, just full of other stuff. Um, then just, I mean, boxes of just miscellaneous jazz stuff, right? So, uh, long story longer. Um, that's just the stuff I bought. There was 423 lots, like I say. So I just started the job where I'm at now. I remember I just started, and the auction was set to end about the time I got off work. So I was figuring, how can I get home and make sure, because I don't want to lose these items, especially some of these items are so rare, and I don't even think I was telling you guys about it. I'm like, I don't want any competition at all. I don't want anyone swooping in and taking my stuff. Uh, until after the fact. And so I was talking to my wife, and I said, you know, we're, we're going all in on this. And we were set to take a trip to Hawaii in February. Uh, this was ending, I don't know, it must have been uh, mid-December of that year. So I thought, there's enough time. It's going to get, you know, it's going to end. Oh, it was around Super Bowl Sunday when it actually ended because um, for part of it, instead of shipping, I was thinking about, Flying out to Indiana and picking it up in the U-Haul and, and hauling it all back myself because I thought that might be cheaper than actually shipping it. So uh, the auction's starting to, to end, and I'm like, man, I just need to leave work. So finally, I, I, I just get to the point of, okay, these are the things I'm buying, and I was checking them daily, and the prices weren't going up a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of people finding this sell for whatever reason. I don't know that it was marketed to the right people necessarily. I kind of stumbled upon it. Uh, the right people have found it. There's no way that I would have came out with half of what I came out with. So, uh, watching it, and it's one of those auctions that I don't know if you've done a lot of them online. It's not like an eBay auction where it, when it ends, it ends. Yeah. If it ends and there's a bid. That's below the thing. Within, well, no, it's within the last five minutes. It extends it five more minutes. So, you think you got it. Somebody comes in and bids. It's back up for five more minutes. So It just keeps going. It can keep going for a while. 
So I go home and I'm, I'm down in the war room. And I'm like, hey, hey, Holly, I'm, I'm going to be here for a while. I'm just going to do this. And I have wrote down, so I printed off everything that I was interested in. And I wrote, this is my highest dollar. I'm going to go. And, and had to keep myself to it because, you know, you can get carried away in some of this stuff. And I mean, there was uh, boxes of like signed basketball cards, for example. And this is back before we were into the big card talk. But you're talking what kind of cards in a banker's box could Jerry Sloan had a autographed? Yeah. So uh, I had to limit myself a little bit. But uh, there we go and uh, go home and I'm just, you know, tickled pink but also nervous. And uh, so I start winning lots. I start winning, 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 winning. I'm like, okay, this is adding up. And it adds up to be a fair chunk of change, like thousands of dollars, right? Yes. Uh, all that stuff I read off. Like the Rick Majerus pictures, for example, I got for three dollars, which yeah. is amazing because you know, but nobody wanted or cared. Yeah. But other things like the Olympic shoes and stuff, we're talking hundreds, if not you know, hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of dollars. dollars. So uh, get to that point, tens of hundreds, tens of hundreds, uh, yeah, tens of hundreds. So get to that point, start cheating, getting stuff. I'm like, okay, now I need to pay for this stuff. So the next day, I think I wait for everything to settle. And I contact the place because I'm like, hey, how am I going to get this shipped to me? It wasn't really clearly said that such shipping was available. You just knew you were buying it. I knew I was buying it, and I knew there was a lot of stuff. I didn't realize how much stuff I had bought, especially when we're talking banker boxes. I just knew I bought some stuff. So how many banker boxes did you end up with? Oh, banker boxes? Yeah. Um, let me go through. I count how many lots I had. For sure I had... Four or five banker boxes, but some of the stuff was all thrown together. Let me count, talk to the people for a minute while I count how many lots I actually bought here. All right, so when Derek told me about this, like, he was tickled pink. Like, he came over, you know, this was a couple years ago, and he's like, you got to check this stuff out. And I'm like, all right. So he brought over several boxes, and uh, we went through, and he showed me some other things. I went to his house and kind of checked some of them out, and I'm still like, all right, let me figure out what this is, because this is what we always talk about. Like, people have stuff. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if it's Jerry Sloan, Phil Jackson, Kanye West, you know, the Pulp, like, whichever person you're thinking about, that we all have stuff. Oh, stuff. So 30, I bought 30 lots of the 423 available, wow. and... Um, and I needed them shipped to me, and like I said, it was Super Bowl Sunday weekend, because I thought... I can fly out, get a U-Haul, drive back, and then I think it was the next Monday or something, we were going to Hawaii, yeah. uh, me and the wife. Something like that. And I thought, there's a possibility of doing that, and then I'd have time off. Holly, instead of going to Hawaii, we're going to go to India. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, I was going uh, to Evansville, I was going to get my brother, and uh, like we'll just drive out, we'll just drive back. 24 hours, and we can do it. It's stormy weather. We're talking February, I guess, at this point. Yeah. And it's just... So I contact the place, and they're like, oh, yeah, we got, we got a place that will ship to you. Okay. And at that point, you're kind of at their mercy. Yeah. I don't know what shipping cost. It was not disclosed or talked about at all. And I don't know how much weight I got. I don't know how much items I got. And so I'm like, all right, well, okay, let's get shipped. If it fits, it ships. I wish if it was if it fits, it ships. So I, I make the payment to them. I said, okay, here's my money. You got your money. Get this shipped to me as fast as possible. Are you going to disclose the dollar? Um, I don't know the exact dollar. <laughs> I, I, I did my research, but it was thousands of dollars. I think it says, even if you got 30 lots 
and let's just say to keep the math simple, we'll say 150 bucks. I know how much I paid to ship it. Okay, how much did you pay to ship it? Where you get to that? But right. Yeah, we'll I, get to I, that. I'm guessing. Like I said, this is my math, and this is what I always do with everybody. I like sure. to kind of guesstimate. Um, like I said, if you had 30 lots, and let's just say you paid a hundred dollars a piece, that's three grand. Okay. If you paid 150, we're talking 4,500. That's kind of my. That's guess. probably the range. Some were much higher. Yeah. I mean, some were much lower. The the uh, John Stockton Olympic shoes went for a lot more than yeah. like I said the Rick Majerus yeah. pictures. So we're probably average. We're we're in that. We'll, we'll say about four to five. Four thousand. to five. That's fair. Thousand. Uh, that's fair. That's that's four tens of hundreds. So, so I uh, so I'm like, okay, when you get this ship, here's my money, and they said, okay, here's who we're going to ship it with, and I'm also not going to use this name because. There was a lot of drama here, <laughs> a lot of drama. We're gonna use this place, and they they uh, were like a, a boutique type store that had a part time shipping thing. And I said, okay, and they're like, no, we've used them before. They're fine. And I'm like, well, what what are we talking about? Well, they'll ship at UPS to you. And I'm like, what's the problem? Well, you're gonna have to talk to them. You're gonna have to talk to them. We'll get it dropped over to them. And so the auction site did their part fine. I have okay. no beef with them. Yeah. At that point, however, some stuff come back. We'll talk about it. There's reason I'm not using their name. <laughs> <laughs> and most of this, like, I've never heard this part of the story. And so you get involved in here coming up. And so uh, we, uh, okay, they're going to ship it. And so I call up that company. I said, hey, this is my hard deadline. I'm going, and this is a couple weeks out, but I'm like, I'm going to Hawaii on this date. I need these items before this date. Well, they need to bring them all over to us. Okay. Okay, we can't ship everything until it comes all over to us. Understand that. I've paid them. They're going to bring it all over to you and just get it here as fast as possible. Make sure you wrap it good and ship it good because some of this stuff's pretty valuable, pretty fragile, this, that, and the other. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. We know what we're doing. Uh -huh. Of course, of course. Okay, all right. And so a couple days go by. I don't hear nothing. I call them back up. I call the auction place. Oh, yeah, yeah, everything's over there. Everything's good. Everything's good. Uh-huh. And so I call the other place. I can't get a hold of people. <laughs> I finally get a hold of people. Oh, yeah, we got your stuff. We're just reboxing it, and we're going to ship it to you. Well, how much? I just want to pay for shipping. Let's get that paid for so we can get there. Make sure you insure it because this stuff's, oh, yeah, we know what we're doing. We don't have a total for you yet. We don't know how many boxes we got for you yet, but we'll, uh, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. Okay, I'm leaving to Hawaii for a week on this day. I need it by this day because it can't be sitting on my porch <laughs> for this whole time because we're talking a lot of valuable items. Tens of hundreds of dollars. Hopefully, I'm hoping tens of thousands, right? Because if I pay about the five grand, I'm hoping to at least double that. Yeah. So it goes back and forth for a little while. We're getting ready to go, and there's a big blizzard going through the Midwest at this point because I'm watching everything. <laughs> and I finally call and say, where's my stuff? I need this, like, this needs to happen. Oh, we've shipped some of it off to you. And I'm like, you've, you've shipped some of it? Well, part of it, we've got packed out. We have, like, 18 boxes or whatever. Oh, God. Whatever it was. It was a lot. And I said, well, I haven't paid you anything. Oh, we're just going to charge you at the end. And I'm thinking, well, I could just, whatever. Okay. I said, you're, you're insuring this, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're insuring it. I said, okay, because some of the stuff's pretty valuable, pretty rare. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. So, a couple more days. And I finally call on the, okay, we got your total. Okay, what's your total? Um, it's going to be uh, $795 to ship all this. Okay. Well, at that point, what do you do? You yeah, can't negotiate. It's what it is. Yeah. So, okay, paid it. And I need a, a tracking number. Oh, we got multiple, multiple tracking numbers. 
and whatever. I'm like, this place is just giving me anxiety and headache, and as a reseller and person myself, I'm like, this is not going like I want it to go, but I'm out of control. Yeah, Everything is out of my power here. Yeah. It's just going to show up. Hopefully it gets here before the big storm. If not, I'm going to have, I've talked to Aaron to come over and just get the stuff off the porch, and we'll go through it. I don't really know what I'm getting at some point, so... Yeah, you have no idea if they've snagged a couple boxes for their personal items. No clue. No clue. And there's not really any traceability, right? And so, I, uh, <laughs> I get this stuff, and it's like the day. I mean, it's like literally the day before we go. I come home to my porch, and there's just, I mean, just boxes upon boxes upon boxes. Some are big, some are small, some are crushed, some are this, some are that. And there's no way I'm going to be able to go through it all in a day, check off everything, because I'm leaving, but go through some of it, bring it all in the house. And, uh, you know, and we go and have a great trip in Hawaii, and I'm like, I can't believe I got all this cool stuff. So uh, we come back, and I start going through some of the stuff, and I'll get into what we did, but I also have to talk about um, insurance, and I need to talk about having things... uh, how you can make sure you get your money back on credit card purchases if things aren't how they're supposed to be. Um, the whole process of that's a whole other story going on with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm opening up things, and I'm seeing these shoes, and I'm just beyond belief, uh, jaw dropped on the floor, right? And I'm sending pictures to all you guys like, look at all my cool stuff I got here. Well, I get into some of these uh, tote bags like we talked about, and I open it up, and there's like these binders, and they're these uh, like like uh, scrapbook type binders that Bobby Sloan made, just like documenting a lot of these things. So uh, I open it up, and there's like the coach's itinerary with the letter that came to them from the NBA that has like their home address to Bobby and Jerry Sloan, that has like their hotel reservations, has their dinner appointments, has what they're doing the whole All Star weekend, breaks it on down, has tickets. So I have all these these tickets for all these events. It's full of um, basketball cards, memorabilia, just all sorts of things. Some of these have like uh, I don't know if you remember like the windbreakers that they would wear. Um, they kind of have these uh, not uniforms, but they'd have I guess this matching apparel. If you were on the Western team, you'd have yeah, you wear your matching like uh, now they have like I think they swear they're regular jerseys, but they had like custom jerseys. Yeah, custom jerseys and. So they'd have these, like, windbreakers that were, like, dead. Your, your warm-ups. Your warm-ups, yeah. but they're, uh, they were just, like, given, I guess, to the coaches and stuff. Yeah. So I have, like, I'm going through these uh, duffel bags, and I'm just finding treasure upon treasure, and I can't believe what I'm finding. And a lot of this I'm putting for sale on eBay, or I will be putting for sale on eBay. Um, there's bank boxes just full of random jazz stuff. Um, like I'm saying, she's made all these scrapbooks. Uh, the NBA Finals one had tickets to the NBA Finals, which I probably shouldn't have sold. I sold them for a good amount, but I thought now if I was getting them graded and stuff, yeah. Michael Jordan Finals tickets are worth like an insane amount of money. Tens of hundreds of dollars. So I'm just breaking all this down, and, and, and I'm getting more and more stuff as I'm breaking it down, separating it all. Uh, I'm going through like the NBA Finals. Um, just, I mean, Some just crazy stuff. stuff. Just crazy Stat sheets, uh, where the coaches were staying, where they were eating, itineraries. Expense reports. Uh, expense reports. Um, this is where, Gail, like the Millers who own the Jazz are staying at this hotel. This is where you're at. I have a sheet that has, like, all the players, their wives' names, some of them their parents' names, home phone numbers, like 
all this just random stuff. The, the crazy part, too, is, is, again, like I said, this is pre-internet era, and these boxes, like, Bobby took every single news article. Like, if there was a news article, she cut it out. Yeah. And, and if it was important, she put it in, like, one of those laminated sleeves. One of the funny ones, like, this went on before, like, media was media. Like, one of the times Larry Miller got in a fist fight with somebody. A, a Denver fan. Yeah, like a fan. Like, this was uh, Malice in the Palace back in the 90s. Yeah, uh, he, uh, he I think they were in Utah, but there was a Denver fan that was heckling, and Larry Miller is the owner of the Jazz, so he's like the Mark Cuban. For he's the, Mark Cuban. Team. And he goes and gets in a fist fight <laughs> a, with a fan. A fisticuff. In the, in the arena. <laughs> During the game. And, and Bobby cuts out the news article because she's probably proud of it. Jerry was probably wishing he was up there in it, knowing that guy. And she just has it here. I mean, just newspaper clippings, which aren't worth a whole lot. I've been selling some of the binders, but you're going through the binders, and, and there's um, just everything. Like towels. Yeah. Like, you know how they have the sweat towels? Yeah. Like, she must have just got them and put everything them in these in these duffel bags and just stuffed them to the brim, full of everything. And, and like I said, and this is going back when I know a lot of people, you know, they get well. The players should have the power and all these things. Like Jerry Salone was the guy. Like he said what went. Larry Miller was what Jerry Jones is now. So yeah. Like he was the guy. Like what he said back then, you didn't know who the owners were. Like nobody knew about that. And he was always a guy that sat courtside. Like, he was the owner who started that trend. Yeah, he'd go into the locker room at halftime yeah. and, uh, you know, want to know what was going on. Jerry was the buck stop here. Larry was the count. Jerry was the only one. Or Larry was the only one that could col- tell Jerry, this is what you're going to do. Yeah. No one else told Jerry anything. Yeah. And Jerry told the team, this is what we're going to do. And if you don't like it, either get out of here. Get out of here or we're going to go fight. Which one do you want to do? Yeah. I will trade you. Which, going down to when Jerry retired, was because basically he challenged uh, Darren Williams to a, to a fight, basically. A fisticuff. And uh, I think somebody threw ice bags. I don't know the whole story. But basically, Jerry said that I'm too old for this crap. And he I walked retired. out. But he was ready to throw down at 70, 80 years old with a 20-year-old kid. And he thought that he probably had a good chance. of Like, he did not care. I would like to have some money on that. He had no, like, he had people that think they're tough and have no fear. Jerry had no fear of anyone. He had respect for people. He respected um, the Millers. I think he respected his players. But he wasn't, yeah, he, he was not one that was going to sit there and if he thought he was, uh, injustice was done, he wasn't just going to let it go down. He was going to be in the middle of it and let people know what he thought. So And this was like mid-2010. So that's about when he was retirement age. This is more in the 90s, but just painting the picture more of who Jerry was. Yeah. And, and so going through one of these duffel bags, and I go through one of, her, uh, one of her binders, and there's a Sports Illustrated in this binder yeah. in one of those uh, sheets Sleeves, like you're talking yeah, about. Sleeve. And it's Carl Malone, and it's signed to coach. Thanks for all the help or everything. Carl Malone, MVP in the year. Yeah. That wasn't on the side. That was just a bonus that I found in there. Is a Sports Illustrated signed by Carl Malone to inscribed to Jerry. Thanks, and the year right. And you are giddier. Like this is like you selling a wrestling card of Hulk Hogan to Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be amazing. This is like Nature Boy Ric Flair showing up at your house saying, "Woo, Derek, let's go get some ice cream." Well, I'm sitting here saying, "Can I believe what I'm seeing?" And there's like, I mean. 
just all these random autographed weird things. But even just, I'm tickled because it's like, hey, here's Greg Foster. This is where he lived. This is his wife's name. Or like Jay Humphreys. And yeah, call his parents because he must have been, because you're thinking these kids were like 19 and 20. Yeah, they're young kids. When we were watching, they were adults in our mind. But now looking back, they were just in their 20s. And if you needed, like, say they're not performing or you have problems, you're calling their parents, and here's their phone numbers and addresses of where they live. Hey, you want to know where John Stockton's parents live? I have their home address and phone number, which I'm sure right now are still their phone number and home address. Because, again, this is going back to pre-cell phone days. Pre-cell phone. Like, you have a way to get a hold of them. And also, the bar that his parents own, hey, if they're not at home, call the bar. This is the bar's name. This is the number. So I just think, like, I don't think Jerry probably ever had a lot of problems with Stockton, but if he did... I'm calling your parents. (laughs) That's how it used to be. Like, parents were okay with that. It's not like the helicopter, like, oh, you can't tell my kids wrong. It's like, when my kid's wrong, you slap him on the head and you tell me. And I'm sure now, to some extent, um, going with the jazz, like, the coach probably has information for Donovan Mitchell where he lives, probably in his cell phone, they have some database. And he might even have his, his mom's number, I don't know. But it surely isn't, hey, Donovan, if you're not performing, I'm going to call your mother. And this is, and I'm, you know, or I'm going to send a letter to your house. Mrs. Mitchell, I know you just showed up at the game and everything looked well, but Donovan's showing up late to practice. Yeah. And, and I've, I've told him not. I've had enough of this. And he's going to be suspended and lose thousands of dollars if he doesn't. Carl Malone's mom down in Louisiana. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's just kind of, for, for somebody like me, this is like, this is just great. Yeah. And, and nowadays what happens is, is like, if you're skipping school and you do anything, like, there's stupid systems, like, if my if we forget to call the school because my kid is sick, like we get a phone call, we get a text message, and I get an email. Like there's no way I could have existed. Like I skipped school so many dang times. Like wouldn't happen anymore because my parents would find out about it before well, I got they'd home. Find out before you knew you were skipping almost. Yeah. So this is the same thing. Like, hey Donovan, uh, uh, hey Rudy, uh, I I know you'd like what you're doing. You know, hey LeBron, uh, here's the thing. We are calling your mother. But Jerry had the permission and the authority to say, LeBron, uh, I'm not only going to call your mother, but you're going to show up because you've got fear that I'm going to call your mother. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to lose millions of dollars. Like, the buck stopped there. Also, there's things like um, coach association meeting notes and, yeah. like, these these uh, files of, like, hey, here's the collective bargaining agreement. This is what you're going to be making. Like, that kind you, of stuff. You, hold on. Hold on. You have the information on the collective bargain agreement? I got some of that kind of stuff, like from coach, uh, coach association meetings. That's crazy. And, like, you know, I don't know what the name of the files are that you'd have to slip, like, pre-internet binder paperwork. <laughs> so all these things. And so I'm going through it, and it's just a treasure trove of, like, hey, during the All-Star game, they met together for dinner at this steakhouse, and, hey, this was what's-his-name's wife's name, and, like, circled so they'd have to remember it, and... You know, Commissioner Stern is going to be addressing us here. Hey, here's his phone number if you need to call Commissioner Stern. And this is what room they're going to be being in. Hey, here's all the rooms that your players are in. Like, all that information, right? That's crazy. And so we get going through it, and then I get to, this is Adam's favorite, and this has been a long tease. I get to the 1988 duffel bag. Oh, boy. You got a duffel bag. Now, in 1988, and this was in Chicago... Uh, Jerry Sloan wasn't that far removed from being a player as far as he wasn't in a senior citizen age range yet. No, not even close. Nowadays they have a uh, 
Oh, and Jerry coached at Chicago for, I think, one or two seasons before Three the Chess. Years, I think. And didn't have the best record, but so he was still well-known. He was the original Bull. Before Michael Jordan, Jerry Sloan was the most famous Bull of all time. Yes. Uh, I think they have a statue of him there. And they have his number retired. So, he's a big deal in Chicago. Uh, this is They had, like, three-point um, contest, dunk contest, that kind of stuff, but they used to have, like, a uh, alumni-type game. Yeah. Where they'd have players, um, I forget what it was called, I should have wrote it down, but it was basically an all-star game, but for retired players. Yeah, it's like they, they call it the, uh, oh, it's the throwback game. Or Something game. like that, but it was like a full game to where now they have like the Rising Stars, where the young kids play, they bring out the old, the old players and they play. Well, Jerry Sloan participated in this game. Oh, boy. And so I'm opening up this, uh, this duffel bag, and I didn't know if it was one he coached in or whatever. And I've seen, yeah, you know the sign that they have on the locker that say, you know, Jerry Sloan? Yeah. He's got that in there. Okay. Uh, it's got, like, the uh, the program that shows that he played. It has, like, the uh, ticket that Bobby had for, for the game. Um, all sorts of merch. They just, I mean, they looted the place. He's got, like, koozies and uh, pins and, <laughs> and beer mugs and everything. And then I pull out a, uh, a jock strap. Oh, boy. And I'm like, what in the world is this? And why is this in here, right? And, and people, like, before, like, now everybody wears, like, these compression pants and, like, all, all these under armor. Like, back then, you would wear a jock strap to keep things in place. So I'm like, huh. I get doing some math in my head. Jerry Stallone played in this all-star game. They threw everything in the freaking uh, duffel bag and just shipped it home and never went through it again. <laughs> so there's like the towels and there's this. Uh, he thought it was cool to take the the, the placard off that you know yeah, this the locker tag. and he just got done after the game threw his jock strap in this bag and that was that and they never went through it again. So I have a 1988 uh, All Star Game used used game worn Jerry Sloan jock strap. <laughs> what do you do with that? <laughs> <laughs> Tell your buddies, I guess. That's I about all. I, I haven't put it for sale yet. Um, I still have it in the bag, just sitting over uh, with a bunch of the stuff because there's so. I mean, I have so much stuff. It's been taking me years to go through and kind of list this a little bit as we go. I think that was about Adam's favorite thing, is because it's like what I mean. This was going through the stuff. I have everything from a Carl Malone sign MVP um, magazine to a game used Jerry Sloan jock strap, right? So. Uh, just going through all this stuff. Um, some of the Japan stuff was pretty cool. Some of the stuff's just programs. A lot of old hats. Jerry Sloan always wore hats, but they're they're new. They're just the old model. So uh, selling those off. Um, a lot of kind of knickknacky things. And I'm going through everything, and I look, and my Carl Malone ornament is broken. Carl Malone ornament is broken. The one that they told you they sent you that was in. Uh Yes. The one that, if you remember, I was like, okay, make sure you pack this stuff all, all good. And there's some stuff that's fragile and stuff. Uh, so this ornament was just a glass ornament with a jazz logo, and it was signed by Carl Malone. What are you Googling over there, Adam? <laughs> I'm trying to find game-use jock straps. Don't Google game-use jock straps. What do you think is going to pop up? Well, I'm trying to see if there's anything available to sell. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking up costs. It looked like there was plenty to buy. A lot more to buy than I'd be selling if I was that guy. Well, I had to take off game used or NBA used, and then I just put a more jock strap. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, looked over at Adam's computer, and it was uh, it was lit like Christmas morning. So I got this broken bulb, and so I'm I'm a little disappointed at that. And one of my uh, so I'm going through everything, and one of my uh, Rick Majerus uh, frame pictures had cracked, which obviously for everything they packed, uh, I mean it wasn't the best job, but most of the stuff arrived there all right. So. I call up the auction place. I'm like, hey, uh, pretty much everything came all right except for this uh, this ornament, which is kind of rare. It's obviously not something you can go get a new one of. Yeah, it's broke. It's the whole reason I bought that one box. Uh, what can we do about it? They basically say, you know, we can't do a whole lot. Uh, but why don't you talk to the shipping company? Um, should have been insured, and and you guys work something out. So okay. Call up the shipping company. Can't get them to return a phone call. Can't get them to return a phone call. Obviously. So I'm like, hey, this is the problem. And I, I leave the message with some people. I think I might have talked to some people, but not the owners. No one's calling me back. Um, this is the problem. This ornament broke. And I had this other thing that, that got deemed. These things are worth some money. need to be repaired or fixed. And, you know, I paid you a lot to ship it. You said it was insured. I need to make a claim on this stuff. Well, finally, the, I think the owner did finally get back to me at some point and basically gave me the runaround saying, um, well, uh, you know, that's, that's not really our fault. I read Majerus was already like that. And uh, I said, okay, well, it wasn't documented or anything like that. And that carbon loan ornament, I mean, what do you think it's worth? And I said, well, you know, I think it's worth a few hundred dollars to the right person. But, you know, I don't know what you insured it for. What's this whole thing insured for? Basically, they didn't insure it for more than like $7 a box for everything oh, that came across. Oh, you got to be kidding me. So I'm like, I'm going to need more than $7 for this. Well, we only, I said, where did you even get that number? Adam's math just a few minutes ago tells you what? At least 150 a, a, a lot. And, and they didn't add, I just said, okay, take care of it. And I tried working with them, and they said they had it under control. I don't know where you get $7 a box. They were kind of trying to be cheap, and I get it, but I never told them a price, this, that, and the other. And they're like, well, basically it comes down to, well, that's just broken, and we're not going to pay it. We're not going to pay you anything for it. You're just out. SOL. So I get a little upset, so I contact my credit card company, and I said, hey, these guys, you know, broken item. Um, basically, they, they won't pay. They won't reimburse it. And so I have to go in and put a, a, a chargeback, is what it's called, till they can fix this. So I contact the credit card company. And they say, okay, we're going to investigate, so on and so forth. So this is a long process. Uh, the credit card company comes back to me and they said, uh, nope, we're not, we're not going to do anything for you. And I said, what do you mean we're not, you're not going to do anything for me? Well, we don't think these guys are in the wrong. We, we called them and uh, they said that they did everything right. So I have to rebuttal that, go one step harder. And so they had me doing my own investigation with this place, right? So now you're turning it into... Uh Mr. Gadget and some inspector? Well, this is a thing that if you have a case and, and you get ruled against and, and you're in the right, once again, you got to fight everything, right? Yeah, so, you're, you're, you got to do the due diligence. So I have to go through, and I'm sending emails. They're not responding to emails. They do respond to a couple things. They're saying, like, this whole other wild story that didn't happen of, like, um, I mean, I have to read through all my stuff, but... I, they, they tried to talk to me, and I'm just this crazy man, and I'm uh, demanding things, and they shipped it as fast as they could, and I'm breaking things, and basically they're they're just uh, 
they're getting all upset and pointing the fingers at me, and, and I want this ridiculous prize for this item. So I said, okay, what do we need to do? So basically they said, well, you need a, a, a third-party person to uh, go through and, and say what these items are worth to, to you, you know. And I said, originally I said, oh, yeah, I remember this now. So originally I said, just pay me for the shipping on that item that got broke, whatever that was, or the replacement of the item, which wouldn't have been, I don't know, a whole lot. If they had offered me more than $10, definitely would have dropped everything. But they were pretty staunch on, hey, you paid X amount for this lot. We're not going to pay you more than that. Uh, this Carmelone thing. I'm like, just pay me what Carmelone autograph's going for, or something like that. But they, they stuck in their heels. And so I contacted the credit card company once again. I said, I live in the middle of rural Utah. And at this point, there's not a whole lot of uh, sports memorabilia people around here. And you want me to get a third-party authentication or somebody to write a, a letter saying what they pay for it. What does that entail? And they said, well, do you know anyone that collects sports memorabilia? I said, matter of fact, I do. Well, why don't you just have them write up their estimate of what they think that would be. That's right. And send it over to us, and we'll assess the whole situation, and we'll go from there. And so I call up my trusty accountant, and I said, Adam, I want you to be fair and honest. I'm going to take you some pictures, which I got the pictures here. Oh, yeah. I think right. I even brought over the items. You did bring the item. I remember looking at it. And I said, and I had to scan all this in for my documentation. I said, this is what happened. Just tell me what you think this would be worth and write up a little appraisal. Say how you have any sort of knowledge in the, in the uh, field. The industry. The industry. And so Adam comes up with this appraisal. And I didn't say a, a dollar figure at all to him, but... Uh, he came up with uh, a few hundred dollars worth of what he puts in this nice little uh, letter with his company letterhead of, hey, this is what I think it'd be valued as. I buy sports memorabilia. This is what I paid for similar things, uh, so on and so forth. Um, so anyways, I'm like, thanks, buddy. So I send all this off, and lo and behold, the credit card company says, you know what? You did all your homework. You got all your pictures. Uh, these people aren't talking to us. Uh, you're in the right um, here's your 700 and whatever dollars back. So they credit me everything, the $795 for shipping back. And um, I'm like, well, that's thanks, but I, I didn't need all of that. I mean, there's only a couple of things damaged, but okay. And I'll tell you what, that got their attention now. Now so, they're paying attention. So they, they credit me back everything. So a couple days later, the lady um, at the auction company calls me up, and she just goes off on me. Oh. And this is the auction company, not the shipping company. Yeah. And she says, what's going on? You've stolen $700, almost $800 from this company that sent you all this stuff. They're livid with me. We do a lot of business with them. Uh, this, that, and the other. I can't believe you're doing this. And it just reads me the riot act. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, you remember me trying to contact you for the last few months? And I said, this is what happened to me. I've been trying to get a hold of them. They're not getting back. I've yeah. disputed it. I've sent them emails. I've sent you emails. You guys washed your hands and said this is between the two of you. Now all of a sudden you got a problem with me. And I remember her saying, well, I don't know how you feel honest about yourself after doing this to this company. And I don't think you're ever going to be able to buy from us again. And I said, well, do you got any more Jerry Sloan stuff? Yes, we do. And I said, well, I'll be buying from you again. <laughs> and she said, no, I'm, I'm blocking you on everything and... And this and whatever. And I said, well, I'll be contacting your superiors because I bought items from you. I've had just a horrible... I said, you guys are fine. 
But with this company you went through, it was just a Mickey Mouse organization that was a boutique that was in over their head. They can deliver on time, they can give me the right price, and then things are damaged, and I try to contact them, and they can't make everything right. And so this was my last resource. Was I supposed to just take this in the, the butt myself and just be fine with that? Well, she gets mad and hangs up or whatever on me. And uh, so I contact the, the other company. I said, hey, listen. This is what you guys did. I've been trying to get a hold of you. Now all of a sudden I can get a hold of you because um, the credit card company found in my favor, whatever you want to call it, and, and took everything. I didn't ask them for everything. I've been sending multiple emails. This is what I was asking for. You guys put me through all this, and this is what they found to be just. If you want to go back and argue it with them, whatever. But when I'm out the 700 some odd dollars or out the item's cost, you guys are all fine with it. Now all of a sudden there's a big problem. And so... Well, needless to say, we didn't end on great terms on that part. Um, I did contact the, uh, the the people at the auction place and the boss, and I said, hey, this is what went down. Uh, no problem with you guys. Hope to buy from you again in the future. Uh, this lady kind of overreacted and, and went down this road, and she actually did offer an apology, I believe, and said, you know, both sides of the story, it just wasn't great. I said, well, going into it, I knew it wasn't great, and if I buy from you again, they're not shipping my stuff, but I'll do business with you again. Needless to say, I've been monitoring. There hasn't been another Jerry Sloan auction in three years, so I think that was the end of the bucket. That was the end of the thing there. All right, we're back in it. I had to take a quick little break. I had to take a little breather. We're, get, we're getting into the weeds, I know, and trying to keep it all straight, but the people need the whole story, and, and uh, I think I'm giving you the whole story. Um, the gold is in the details. The, the devil's down there in the details, and, and they earn this. And so, uh, one of the things is just when you're packing things, make sure you pack it right. If it's insurable, make sure you insure it right. And if you sell something to somebody, just make sure you, you stand by what you sell. So you came in, just kind of a little re short recap to help my memory, because I've been looking at a couple other sure. things. You, they broke one of your ornaments. You told them to fix it. They wouldn't fix it. You got an independent appraisal from a very um, worthwhile source. Myself and Best sent, of the area at the time. sent it over to them. They agreed it was $700. You shipped it off, gave the information. They were pissed. Now you're to that point. You got your money. And then what's the next step? What happened? Okay. Well, first, let, let me recap just a little bit because at first they denied the claim. Yes. I had to go do my due diligence. So make sure if you're right, don't be afraid to fight for yourself and learn the process and, and fight for yourself. And even if you have to find somebody like Adam to appraise it for you or somebody in your area. Uh, make sure things are get get made right. Uh, during the break, I actually did find, so the date that we're talking about was February 2018, yes. so a couple of years back. Uh, Adam was asking how much I paid for the whole items. He was pretty close, looking down my credit card pretty, receipt. Pretty close. I pretty mean, close. I said 4,500 bucks. We, uh, we came in for everything on the auction side at $4,697 for everything. And they take a premium and all that, too. So you were right on the nose. Yes. And then the shipping, like we said, was a significant amount, seven hundred, uh, almost $800. So uh, once that got declined or whatever, of course, they weren't happy. We had to go through the hoops. Uh, that's kind of where we were at the break. Adam's been looking up some of my stuff for sale. Um, so we get to where, okay, all that's taken care of. Um, now I need to figure out how to sell this stuff and actually what do I have. Because going through, like I said, there's binders and binders in these banker boxes or in these uh, totes. And so I'm opening up these totes, and like I said, we had the Carl Malone thing and, and uh, some of these things, but I'm, I'm lotting them out, so I'm not just going to sell everything together. 
So I'm pulling things apart, and I'm just trying to figure out what I have. And it's just kind of almost overwhelming at some point because there's so much stuff, and there's just so many items that I, I start putting some stuff up. And, I mean, how do you price a uh, Jerry Sloan parking pass from the 90s? How do you how do you come up with a deal? How do you... This is... I, I'm going through your list, looking at your... Because a lot of them I haven't even seen. Like, how do you list a, a Japan NBA from 1990, you know, game? Like, how do you price that thing? I mean, that's... I just kind of make up a... a I make up a number and throw it up there, and if somebody wants to ask me or negotiate, we can negotiate. And one of the, the cool things that I can put, um, owned by Jerry Sloan and a lot of the things, and a lot of people come back and, oh, how can you approve that? How do you know that? Well, I got all my documentation because I had to for the uh, for the legal wranglings, uh, for one. But for two, uh, I can print off you know the auction site and show you where it came from. So um, that's kind of cool. So I'm going to get nerdy with it here for a second. Hey, we're, we're in it deep at this point. I'm going to throw this out as the accounting aspect, because that's kind of my thing, the numbers. And this is my wheelhouse. Like, these kind of things, uh, you pulled up the um, your NBA coaches meeting from 1995. Yep. This stuff fascinated me, because back then, like, you didn't have the Internet to go search. How much money does Michael Jordan make? Like, you didn't have that ability. It wasn't like I it mean, was you know, public. Somebody knew it somewhere on yeah. some of the stuff. But, like, these coaches' meetings, I'm sure they still have them now, but everything's done email or online. Digitally, like... There's not hard copies of a lot of this stuff. And, and back then, I mean, these are... This is Derek's NBA National Coaches Association meeting, you know, while the All-Star game is going on. And, you know, Coach Lenny Wilkins is talking, Don Casey... Um, you know, all of these different guys, they're talking about it. But the coolest thing to me was you have to, again, understand back in the perspective of the time. Um, it's very, very different now, okay? I broke it down. It, this has a list of kind of what the salaries are and, and how much these coaches made. And this is back when they only had 27 teams, 28. Like, this is pre-expansion era. You know, back, back a ways. This is back, back quite a few years. And... Just kind of looking it up so you can kind of get a perspective of, of how these things have actually changed over time. Um, you know, back then, like an NBA, like average roster was about $15 million, okay? And coaches at that time were making anywhere from seven hundred fifty to 850000 That's kind of what it was on average. Uh, and the only reason I kind of talk about these these numbers is that's kind of my thing. I always like looking that up. I mean, I was breaking down how many you know, what Mark McGuire's salary was per home run. Like, that was just kind of how I got into this. But, you know, like you said, again, back then, I mean, we're talking, there were, most of the players in the league made less than their coaches. Like, nearly 90% of the players who played in the NBA. Well, that's how the coaches, like we said, Jerry had authority over them. Because now they say, I make more than you, what, you can tell me what to do? Yeah, I mean, that's how it was back then, is, is the players... They didn't make as much as they do now. It was a it was a manager, NBA owner, coaches run league. That's just how it was, and they were lucky to be making that kind of money. And it has severely changed. So, just again, kind of giving that perspective. Back in that time, I always look at inflation. Yeah. We're talking about fifteen million today's money was worth about twenty five million dollars, which is a lot of money, but nowhere near what it's at today. Yeah, and so twenty five million dollars was about the average team salary back in. 1994-95. Today, it's about $150 million, Wow. Which is five 
times. Like, it's ridiculous how much money, and coaches' salaries haven't exceeded that number, gone up that much. So, again, that paradigm shift has changed, um, and a lot of society has changed. You know, we're a lot more on an equal level, and whether it's right or wrong, that's just a whole different issue. But back then, these coaches had a lot more authoritarian issues. And that's kind of where you can get this play into to know, like, Jerry ran the show. It was the Jerry show. It was, yeah. It was his team. The buck stopped with him. He had two, um, probably the greatest of all times, yeah. but Jerry was in charge. Yeah, two of, you know. And also, without Jerry, I mean, you can look, and we can go down this rabbit hole too, but uh, with the, the Carlos Boozer and the Darren Williams were kind of the Stockton Malone 2.0, for yeah. lack of a better term. Once they left Jerry Sloan's system, their careers just kind of they, fell they apart. Died. Yeah, they, they so died. for as great as uh, Stockton and Malone were, especially in these parts, without Jerry Sloan, I don't, I don't no, think don't they're know. anywhere. I don't yeah. think they're anywhere near where they were. But that's you know we can debate that. It's sports and, talk. Yeah, and again, getting into this greatest of all time, like Carl Malone, top five power forwards of all time. You could argue. I mean, if they would have got the ring, but John Stockton. Top five point guards of all time. He still holds the NBA all-time assist record and all-time steals record. Yeah. And and he was a short white guy from Washington. And Carl Malone was the number two all-time scorer. <laughs> all-time scorer. All-time. If Michael Jordan hadn't played the game, they'd at least had a championship. Yeah. Yeah. So, and a lot of people could say that, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's, there's yeah. Chuck Barkley would have a ring. Exactly. Too. That era was kind of that way. So, uh, but yeah, going back to it, there's a lot of these kind of documents and almost things I think... And this should be in the Hall of Fame or a museum, but what do you do with it, right? And I'm going through it, and, like, memos to, you know, uh, from the NBA to Jerry. And I'm just kind of selling some of this stuff. And it has, like, home addresses and just all this random kind of stuff. And so uh, I'm going through it, and it's, you know, trying to put it on the Internet, trying to price it out. A lot of the autographs, it's do I get the shoes verified, or is the fact that I bought it from Jerry Sloan, and it's an Olympic shoe made by Nike, and signed by John Stockton, is that enough? You know, you got a lot of duffel bags. I bought a lot of duffel bags. If you go back about 30 minutes, you'd hear me read down every duffel bag I bought, right? I'm just checking out Jerry Sloan items. and Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of duffel bags. And that's the thing. Like, back then, All-Star Weekend was the, it was the thing. Like, nobody cares anymore. Like, it just, like, back then, they played to win. And the best players were playing to win. Yeah, it's just a different mindset. And, and like, it's not like today. Like these guys were not friends. Like Larry Bird and Mike, they were not friends. No, they might have been now after they did a few McDonald's commercials towards yeah. the end of their career. But during that time, Magic and uh, Bird, they wanted to beat each other, and they want they didn't yeah hang out after the game and go you know to the club. Yeah, they, there weren't collusion. They weren't hey. Come play on my team. Like, they weren't going up trip. No. They weren't swapping jerseys at the end of the thing. Like, you don't want that guy's jersey. Bill Lambeer would punch <laughs> you in the face if you looked at him wrong. And, and people love that. Yeah. And I kind of miss that. I, I can say for sportsmanship and all that, we're in a better spot where the players. I mean, I remember, and I always go back to this. Sorry, we're jazz fans. I remember Carlos Boozer wanting to go out for dinner with uh, Kobe after a game. And that just boiled my blood because how could you? You know, he just embarrassed your team, and you're going to go have break bread with him, which even if it was going on back in the day, they hit it a lot better. It was going back to my professional wrestling years where the good guys and the bad guys didn't go to towns and didn't hang out together because you had this, at least you were creating, even if it wasn't true, you were creating this illusion that they did hate each other, right? Yeah. And uh, there was competitiveness, and it wasn't, yeah, it just could be on my all-star team and win championships. 
until actually Carl Malone and Gary Payton kind of were the ones that broke that mold they were. when they went to the Lakers, and, and they still didn't end up getting the championship, which uh, there's people on all sides of that. But uh, for, for what it's worth, um, I'm overwhelmed with uh, Jerry Sloan stuff, and I'm going through these binders, and there's all these cool things like, I mean, tickets to events that, like, not only the All-Star Game, but, like, the mini party within the All-Star Game that's this special ticket that looks like a basketball card, but it's actually a ticket to go to the, you know, uh, Tops After Party and, like, personal pictures. I have rolls of film uh, back in the day <laughs> before digital cameras. You'd go get your film developed, right? I got packets of, of film or of pictures of Jerry Sloan's family at these events. And, like, you know, there's a picture of uh, Shaquille O'Neal and uh, I don't know if it's Larry's kid or, or, Gar or Jerry's kid, excuse me, or, or who it is. Um, there were some pictures of Don Shula, autographed by Don Shula, but they were like personal pictures. And just, just I mean, just everything you can think of, programs, um, just, I mean, just deep dive, just everything you can think of. And so I'm going through these binders, and I'm taking out the things that, like, obviously, like the Carl uh, Malone signed, hey, coach, thanks for everything, uh, Sports Illustrated. I'm not just going to sell with the binder with everything that is in it. Um, but there's wow. itineraries. Adam's going through a lot of the stuff here and kind of looking at it. I haven't seen it. Like he's been very hush hush about most of this stuff. This is the first time I've actually told the whole story. Because first off, who cares and wants to listen a little bit? Well, <laughs> we've created an audience. Oh, I mean, but if you're a reseller, if you're a sports fan, yes. But I mean, just to break it all down, I've told bits and pieces. But this is the first time I've told the whole story in its entirety. Because I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I just got binders and binders of things. And the thing that I thought was really cool uh, with what you're showing here is this was special. You can tell this was special to Bobby. Yeah. Uh, when the Jazz actually made it to the championship, she has a thick binder with, with uh, I mean, newspaper clips and articles from all across the nation of how important this is that the Jazz actually get to go to the NBA Finals. And, and they were all in, like... She wasn't just at home uh, quilting or spending Jerry's money or going around socializing with the with the rest of the gals or the coaches' wives or whatever. They were into this game. And there's your picture. What's that up there? Houston and David Stockton show their daddy's love. Go daddy, go daddy. I mean, there's some uh, some cool stuff in there. Yeah. And I mean, there was stuff from Chicago. Obviously, they had family in Chicago or or friends, so they had both sides. They had. I mean, I have programs, and one of the things that I was very lucky about is, like I was saying, Michael Jordan. So uh, early into this, I was, you know, putting everything as Jerry Sloan, Utah Jazz, so on and so forth. Um, I found out to sell things, especially during that time. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. So uh, one of the things that I like the best, and I think it's one of the rarest and, and coolest things I have is, um, you remember, so if you watch a basketball game, they have chairs where the players are sitting, like the bench, right? And they're these cushy chairs. Well, there's a leather um, thing that just goes over the back of the chair, the headrest almost, but, you know, the backrest. Uh -huh. And it's a leather thing that just has the NBA uh, logo on it, and or the, the Finals logo. And it says, you know, like, Finals 1996 or whatever the, the year is, right? Yeah. So I have one of those, which I believe is probably the only one that exists. Because who holds on to that kind of thing but Bobby, Bobby Sloan? Bobby Sloan. Now, there's my John Stockton shoes. Adam's just looking on, on eBay here, so I'm trying to keep up and watch I, I, stuff. I'm trying to kind of get at because, like I said, this is almost two years ago when this happened, 
And I didn't realize how soon it was because you you came over on February eighteenth and showed me the telegram. Okay, we're getting to that. We'll get we're getting to the to that. Western Union telegram. We're getting to that. That's, that's some that's meat. A, uh, there's some unbelievable things. Like I would not believe it. Saying, "Oh, what did you do this weekend?" I don't know. I got 15 boxes from Jerry Sloan's garage. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is like the motherload of all motherloads of a garage sale that you just show up. To. I mean, these boxes come into the house, and it smells like they've been in a barn. Like they were not in the nice part of the house. They were out in the barn. It's dusty. It's kind of like that that musky smell. I'm like, this is even what they're putting. They're not even. This isn't even the house. This isn't even where the good stuff's at. I'm going to just break this down to a couple of our key listeners because we have a lot of people that listen, okay? This is like friend of the program, Brian, getting to go to Bono's house and just giving him stuff. Uh, yeah, here's six grand. What can I take? Fill up the bag. I, I, I mean, if in that point, you know, Derek gets to the point where he has uh, some children or brings on another another dog, he's probably going to name it Sloan or Jerry. Like. <laughs> It's, it's like Brian trying to name his kid Bono. Like, it's just going to happen. It, it's like Mike Painter meeting Macho Man Randy Savage. Well, let's, let's put it this way. We're from Utah. How many kids do you know? Stockton or, That's you know, true. there's a lot Carl, of, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people with either the middle names or uh, names of Stockton and, and uh, there's some Malones or Carls. Not so much Jerry or Sloan's, but I'm sure there's some middle names that we don't know about. So this is, again, getting into that era. This is, you just randomly going down the street and pulling up to a garage sale down the street from you. This is the hustle part. Imagine all of us that go out and hustle. You know, we're trying to source. This is you going to the goodwill and finding your greatest thing you've ever wanted. Well, here's, here it goes back to everyone saying, I can't find anything. I don't know how to find something. Uh, this was just keeping my eyes open because uh, this was a Facebook ad that I happened to click on and find for an estate sale, which seemed odd. And then I find it, and I, I wasn't where I'm at now. It was in the early days. But to be able to go through and resource, and this happens a lot more often than I think a lot of people actually know. Um, you can find celebrities that either, I remember the Trell Owens, uh, his um, storage unit. Yeah, so storage unit. Yeah. Um, if you remember the whole O.J. Simpson saga, his <laughs> stuff got sold. Uh, I remember there was a Suge Knight. And, and going back so, to O.J. Simpson, like he got acquitted for murder. But he went to jail because he showed up at the Palace Station Hotel in Las Vegas to go after his memorabilia. Get my stuff back. Well, I mean, it's Heisman Trophy. A lot of stuff got sold out because he was guilty in the uh, civil the civil case where he had to pay back the money, and so they took a lot of the stuff and sold it. Uh, Chris Jericho, going to the wrestling, Yeah, that's uh, he, right. just, he just moved houses a few months back, and they just opened up his house and had a big yard sale, estate sale, just to sell out the stuff, so... I think this is more uh, available than a lot of people think. Yeah, it's um, just a matter of looking in the right place. It's just finding it. So you will be able to find stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, if you keep your eyes peeled and look around. I mean, even old NBA players, like, it's not rare to come upon some people that played in the NFL or NBA. Um, a lot of them turn into financial, you know, they need some money. And a lot of them get duffel bags full of stuff. They got stuff like this. But it's rare to find dream team. I mean, yeah, Malone, Jerry Sloan Jordan. is on another level, and this was the mother load. I'm not going to act like I I'm, you know, didn't get lucky on this, but uh, also you had to do your due diligence to find the stuff, right? And You've done some things. So I'm, I'm going through and sorting, and I still have a lot of stuff. And even when the All-Star game came to Utah uh, in the early 90s there, when the, when the arena was new, I mean, I'll tell you what, Bobby Sloan went to town and filled up that duffel bag. 
I mean, there's Spider-Man comics. There's um, there's these basketball cards that were only for the All-Star game. I've got a few of those graded. I've sold some of those. Some aren't worth a whole lot. Some are worth a lot. You know, it's it's going through and piecing out. I mean, all this box is worth of stuff. And uh, it came to a point finally where my wife's like, I need this out of the living room at least. At least get this out of the living room. So I uh, boxed it up. I'm still going through a lot. Of, uh, there's still a lot of stuff that's not listed, right? Yes, I know that you have a lot of stuff that's still unlisted. I mean, some of these team basketballs and, and stuff, and people, you know, want them authenticated. The, the Jerry Sloan, um, the practice jerseys, were just put in a Ziploc bag of uh, the Carlone and the John Stockton practice jerseys. And I've had people say, well, how can you know those are real or not? I'm like, well, I bought them from Jerry Sloan. I can prove that. So uh, Derek's death file is quite large. Don't let him, you know, don't let him uh, fool you. He he slings a lot of stuff, but he's got a pretty good-sized death pile. Yeah, i got, I got rooms full. So <laughs> I'm not, not going to lie to you. That's why we started the death piles and taxes. And everyone's like, that's such a clever name. Well, yeah, because i got death piles and abs doing taxes. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't rocket science. But, like, I mean, some of the things like the the, uh, um, the autographed picture to Hot Rod Hunley from uh, Pat Riley and stuff, I got that for, like, a couple of dollars. Yeah. I mean, it's just really, really weird. And so I'm going through uh, the NBA Finals binder, and this is one of Adam's favorite parts here. And I, I'm, I'm looking through everything because I'm reliving history, right? I'm going through things. And, I, I mean, I got, like, stacks and stacks of magazines from that time and just... Going through it, and they were all into it, or Bobby was all into it. I don't know if Jerry cared or not. I bet you he didn't even know about most of it. A lot of it he didn't know about. And so we're finding things, and I come upon this Western Union Telegraph. Oh, boy. And for those of you that don't know, pre-internet, whatever you want to call it. Pre-email. Pre-email. I mean, you could still do it, but there was a telegraph, and what that was is basically you sent an email via the electronic wire to somebody, and it costs so much a line or a message. And and uh, so I come upon this, and I look at it, and I start reading it. And it's the strangest thing that I've ever found. Adam loves this. Adam, why don't you just go ahead? You got it up there? Okay. I, bring, I bring this over to Adam, and he can't believe it. Um, this is, again, this is go ahead, read of, this for a us. Western Union. This is basically an email. But what happens is you have to pay, like, I don't know, $10, $12. A guy, it's a telegram. Yeah, I mean, beep, 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 beep. Yeah, it, it, it is pre-like anything. It's like a certified letter that means something. But the fact is, you pay for it. Like, email, you can spam somebody. So this telegram, I'll, I'll let Adam read it, but it comes to Jerry, uh, it comes to the jazz organization. Jerry Sloan and Carl Malone. And, and read it, Adam, just read it. This is the first time this has ever been, besides me and you, um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit afterwards, but this is the first time this has ever been Probably publicly known ever. Uh, I'm sure that it was because we know that Jerry and Carl either didn't get it or they ignored it. We know they got it because it was in <laughs> the freaking binder of Bobby. I don't know if Carl got it, but we know Jerry had it. And it wasn't sent to Bobby. It was sent to, uh, who's it sent to? It is sent to Jerry Sloan and Carl Malone. So this came home with Jerry and ended up in Bobby's binder. All right. It says, Dear, dear Jerry and Carl, my name is Nico. <laughs> Okay, great, Nico. Is it Nico or Nemo? No, it's a Nino. You're right. Nino, Nino, Nino. Nino. My name is Nino. Uh, I am a restauranteur in New York City. Besides that, I'm a very religious man and serious believer of my dreams and prayers. It is my belief that these messages 
of hope should be released to the people involved. In one of my dreams, I saw hope in the Yankees winning the pennant. Now, don't read the phone number. I'm just going to say that right now. because uh, It I, still works. It's, okay, don't read the phone number. Hell <laughs> no. Because so, I, sorry, yeah. I had to verify this yeah. story. So, again, going back, this is, in one of my dreams, I so hope in the New York Yankees winning the pennant. In my second dream, the Yankees were two games down. I dreamed in order for the team to win, I had to contact Joe Torrey and Don Zimmer to motivate the players. I did that. I spoke to them. They swept the Atlanta Braves and went on to win the World Series. After their ticker parade, Joe Torre and coaches came to my restaurant to thank me for what I did for them. In this case, I'm not even a direct fan of your team, but I had a dream of Utah winning the championship even before the season started. I get so mad about this. I'm not even a real believer in a lot of this stuff or so much, but for whatever reason, I get so mad about this. Everything was fine, and Utah team believed in themselves up until the second game of the playoffs. Last night after the game, I went to sleep, and I dreamed that all hope in your players was lost, especially from Carl Malone, who is supposed to be your main motivator on the team. In order for my dreams to come true and success to come back to you and your players so you can go ahead and win the championship against Chicago, it is very important that I believe this message to both you and the only way for you or Carl to take two minutes of your precious time to call me. I am not, I am not asking for anything else other than the, the, the release of my message once you contact me over the phone. My dreams don't come as often as I would like to, but that when they do, they are 100% true. It is very important that you contact me. My phone number is anytime or leave a message and I will call you back. My home number is Nino, Nino's Restaurant, 1354 First Avenue, New York City, New York. And so I get that and I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And obviously Jerry got it and just Gave it to Bobby. Maybe they laughed it out. I don't know what they did. But at that point, you call up Zimmer and uh, the New York Joe Yankees Torrey, yeah. and George Torrey and you say, tell me about this guy. What's going on here? Yeah, you is, there, is there any truth to this, right? And uh, so I have this number. I'm showing it to Adam. And I'm like, isn't this like, this, 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 this is nuts, dude. Read this. And you, you were here, and I says, well, did you call the number? I said, I got to. I was thinking about that. I'm like, no, I haven't done it. And we're like, we got to call. You got to call the number. So we called the number right then and there. So I call up Nemo. Nino. Nino. And I get talking to him. I said, hey, my name's, I have to explain this whole story. I'm like, hey, my name's Derek. Well, first off, it's his restaurant. Yeah. And they're like, they go and find him. Yeah. And the restaurant's still in business. I haven't looked anything into it. They go and find him. I'm like, they're like, well, who's this? I'm like, my name's, I'm calling for you, Dad. It's, it's really weird. I understand it's really weird. I just want to talk to him about something that he said to Jerry Sloan like 20 years ago. And his staff's like, some idiots on the phone. Yeah, but they'll go get him. So he comes on. He's like, hey. I'm like, so I bought a bunch of stuff from Jerry Sloan. And filed away was this uh, telegram that you sent. And he said, they got that telegram? And I said, apparently, because it's in all this stuff that I have. 
and tell me about it. That there's there's this thing and and so basically he just recaps what he says. Well, I had dreams, and he's like, I know it's strange or whatever, but I had a dream about Carl Malone and him missing some shots and 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 how this would play out if they called me up. I'd have told him all this, and basically his thing was they had to bench Carl Malone at a certain point for the game and then bring him back out at a certain point, and they would win. And they'd go on to win the championship, and he'd saw it all, done it all, and he said, they never, I said, did they call you back? He said, this is the first time I'm hearing about this since I sent it. And I'm really disappointed because I thought Michael Jordan had enough championships. <laughs> I said, are you, I mean, I'm like, are you putting me on or whatever? He's like, no, I really uh, consulted with the Yankees. I think he had a few other teams at this point, too, where he's like, well, I get the dreams, I call them, and if they go about it, that's fine, and if not, that's not. And so I thought, well, this guy's in that case anyways, right? Like, yeah. obviously, maybe he has a restaurant in New York, but it's a little hole in the wall, and, and I mean, whatever. So we go ahead, and we look up his restaurant. It's like a five-star, like, beautiful place with gourmet food. Yes. Uh, Nemo then tells me, or Nino... Hey, here's my cell phone number. So he gives me his cell phone number. He's like, you ever out in New York, you come over, we'll talk about it. You can come to the restaurant. Standing invitation. It's been a couple of years. When you get back there, do it. But, I mean, he's had, like, you go and look him up on the, on the Internet, and he's had celebrity after celebrity in there. The Yankees did have this. Yeah, they had this dinner. This really happened. You can verify that Joe Torrey's there with the team. Everything that he said was true was true. And so... For whatever reason, whenever I hear this, it just boils my blood to think that, I don't know, if Jerry Webb came out and said, I'm listening to this guy, we all thought he was crazy, but even in my head that the Jazz could have got a championship if they had just benched Carl for like 10 minutes during the stretch, then he comes out fired up, or however Nino saw it. Obviously, if you go back to that series, Carl Malone did under-deliver. I think that's going back to when Scottie Pippen comes over and tells him, hey, the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays. They get into his head. Dennis Rodman was in his head that whole series, too. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't know what would have happened, but just the fact that they held on to it, right? Like, why does Bobby, I mean, I know she stored everything, but why do you hold on to that for, you know, 20 years going on, probably 30 years at this point with me and you talking about it? I mean... So, again, it's one of those unbelievable, like, I saw it, I'm like, Dude, this can't be real. Like, this just can't be real because who does that? Like, I get it. Like, people do it. But, like, this guy isn't some nut job crack case that he's a, a, a fan of saying you're crazy. Bench that guy. Like, this guy did it with Joe Torrey. And Joe Torrey and Derek Jeter came and hung out with him. They got the rings. <laughs> like, <laughs> Nino's probably got a, you know, a congratulatory here's a ring for you, Nino. I mean, yeah, Joe Torre's there. He's got all sorts of celebrities, but they did have this dinner with the Yankees, and the, the Yankees somewhat credited him off the record, but you can see by the pictures and stuff they're hanging out. They they uh, they thanked him for his services, and like he says, he's not even a Jazz fan having these dreams, and I don't know if I believe in all that or not, but I definitely do for that series for this. So I mean, Nino's like the guy that hangs out with the mob. Like, he's wearing his pinstripes and... <laughs> He sells a thousand dollar pizza. Maybe he's uh, maybe he had some more influence than we knew. If they'd have listened to Nino, maybe it was a little more uh, <clears throat> on the uh, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there were some uh, rough calls there. I don't know if you remember, but um, the push off obviously on. goes on forever. Hold on, I've never thought about this angle. 
Let's go for it. We're the bonus show. If people are listening this deep, they they get our uh, our crazy thoughts. So so Nino may have been on the hook for some large dollar amounts. Maybe he knew some people. Maybe he knew some people, and that was like the timing. All right, all right, Jerry. This is what you got to do. You got to put Carl down, and we're gonna have some a couple things happen. Well, here's the thing, too. Who knows what's going on there? But if you remember. Uh, Dick Vavetta. You remember that name? Uh, I've heard of him. So we listened to a lot of talk radio. We did it back in those days, especially with sports. Uh, this is back before they had instant replays and stuff, too. There was a few uh, Howard Isley three-point shot that should have been a three that was on the line. I know you can go into this with everything. But if you remember, there was a big referee scandal that came out not that long after. I'm just looking it up. Uh, Tim Donahue. Tom, Tim, uh, Tim Donahue. Don, Donahue or Donahue? Donahue. Uh, was was mobbed up, and he was betting on games. Now, I don't know if he participated in any of these games or not. It's during that time period. But during that time period, point shaving, there was a lot of this kind of stuff going on. And uh, Frank Layton, so it's some of my stuff. I have a Frank Layton family Christmas card. Um, was it, well, He's a big jazz. He was a, a coach, but he's been in the organization for a while. He recounts a story where he was talking to Dick Bavetta, and Dick Bavetta basically apologized to him, I'll clean up the language, but he said, uh, yeah, we screwed you over. You got screwed on that championship. The, Dick Bavetta went on, I mean, this is according to, to, the, to uh, Frank Layton, who's not um, one to make up stories, especially when it could cost, because his son's still in the NBA, um, could cost people in the management ranks. I mean, you say certain things, you get fined or you can get blackballed, right? Yeah, you can, you can definitely get in trouble. So uh, he goes on record saying that basically after there's a big controversy, Jordan pushed up on Russell. He still made the shot, not debating any of that. There were still other games after. But the referee came out and told this Jazz uh, person, according to him, hey, we screwed you. So I don't know if Nino's dreams more. He's uh, oh. connected to the right people. And if they do certain things or th- certain things, calls are made differently. I don't know. All I know is that we get this. We've got to go to New York. We get this uh, Western Union Telegraph, and we read through it, and we make the call, and everything on it's uh, validated. We got to go to New York. Not only validated, but credited with, hey, and you know, here's my pictures with me. Like you can go look me up. I'm not uh, a whack wackadoodle job. I'm not you know on the street feeding the pigeons. I have a multi million dollar restaurant here, and I you know I know what I'm talking about. And we did get the standing invite of, hey, come out, here's my cell phone, come to the restaurant, we'll talk about it. So we got to go to New York. We, we got to follow up more on this story. Uh, we've been pushing the Jerry Sloan jockstrap forever because we couldn't talk about this at all. But this was really, for me, it's still, I have it in my possession. Um, it just baffles my mind, man. You have got a plethora of interesting stuff that no person has ever seen besides Bobby. So... We know Jerry hasn't seen a lot of oh, this. Jerry doesn't remember seeing a lot of this. So uh, I guess this is more of a tribute show to Jerry. I don't know how we want to word it or how we want to wrap this all up in the title of bow, Adam. But basically, when you're outsourcing, look for different spots. There's always auction houses. There's estate sales. Uh, we all know the stores and the garage sales, right? Yeah, but, people want to know. Like I said, you're, you're, you're sourcing, you're finding these things. It's you, you again, you never know. Like, this was again when you were kind of, you've been doing it. But I was pretty new. But you were new, but but you threw it down. There's there's points where you got to go all in. Yeah. And if you were to look at these 423 um, different lots, 
I only bought what's thirty percent of four hundred and twenty-three. Adam, you're a math guy. Yeah, a fraction. Yeah, I bought a very small fraction, but I was looking at this for for probably a month and debating. Okay, I mean, I was really writing down. This is how much I think the value is. This is how much I can go in on it. This is how much money I have. And I came down to about 30 lots of, this is what I want to buy, or I'm going to buy. Obviously, I got outbid on some things. And this is what we're going to do. And when you have an opportunity like this come along, don't be afraid to go all in, because I've definitely made my money back. Yes. And I still have totes and totes of things. I'm thinking I'm probably going to do four to five times. I mean, one of those shoes I'm trying to sell for basically what the whole thing costs. Yeah. And I can sit on it forever because it's still cool to have a Carl Malone Dream Team shoe. Yeah. Worst case is, you know, I sell it to, I don't know, his dealer. I don't know. And here's the thing. Like, again, a lot of these items, they become more valuable once the person passes. We've talked about this. When somebody dies, their items become exponentially more important because you can't have any more of them. Because the yeah supply and demand right the supply of mail going to Jerry Sloan once he passes away hopefully he doesn't get mail yeah unless somebody stole his identity which uh, I have all the information to do that unfortunately <laughs> so <clears throat> I guess kind of the the end moral story of this is is like you can have a lot of fun doing this because Derek has gotten more enjoyment out of this and this is again this is the first public. The release of these items, these documents, and this story because I never heard it. I mean, going around so so my jock straps the big family joke and story because it's kind of it's funny, it's fun. But you know, my my grandparents, big jazz fans, family, friends, whatever. Well, my dad's going around to family parties saying, "Hey, you want to buy Jerry Sloan's jock strap? Derek owns it." You know, people just looking at me like, "What?" <laughs> Don't search it on the internet. Don't search it on the internet. Don't search jockstrap. Like, Unless you're looking to buy. You might be looking to buy a little more than just uh, just a piece of personal equipment. Yes. But, I mean, I I mean, I never thought I'd own, you know, Jerry Sloan personal items. I never thought I'd own, you know, Carl Malone personal items. Um, I'm thinking with the... So I've had the magazine up and stuff. I've had certain things up. I'm going to take some things down. I'm going to get some of it encapsulated. I'm going to get some of it verified. You know, there's still a lot of work to do. And and there's a whole tie into this. Is We haven't even got into how you got Carl Malone's jersey. Oh, did we do that story? We did a little bit. We did it on the, uh, no, the Carl Malone bonus show. We, we did do it on the Carl Malone bonus show, but we, we kind of skirted around it. And I can throw it in here because this is deep in the woods. Well, let's go for You're it. You're going to have to search this. Um Derek has a Carl Malone signed, well, he has Derek NBA game finals jersey that he got because one of the players sold it for drugs. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. That, that. You're right. I do remember that. But I just want to throw that little snidbit in here. Allegedly, from what I was told by the guy I bought it from, that's how it went down. These are some weird, unique things that happen. I do also have a Carl Malone uh, jersey that signed that he played in. It just wasn't an Olympic or a finals one. A finals jersey. So you never know what you're going to buy. Always be looking, right? So you're sitting there saying, I've listened this far. I don't care about the NBA, but maybe you do care about that rock band, or maybe you care about whatever you're into. There are opportunities out there to yes. get this stuff that you think is never going to come your way. But you got to be, I mean, you got to be looking for it, right? For the most part, you gotta be keeping your eyes open, keep searching for for general things, and, and you'll be surprised what you might come upon. And and again, it's it's what's your why? 
why are you doing this? Because there is a lot of money to be made, but it's also a lot of entertainment. Like, you can, again, we've talked about you can spend your money on things that you're never going to regain value on, which I get. Like, time is the most precious resource there, there is. And if you want to spend your time with worthwhile, like, do that. But, I mean, obviously, if you're into this, you're, you're reselling, you're wanting to resell, you're listening to this podcast, um, and you're saying, I can't find anything in my area, or there's nothing like this in my area, there, there is. I don't care where you're at, you have uh, coaches or athletes or movie stars or something in your area of value, and there's estate sales because people are, are dying or needing money, there's auctions, there's opportunities all over the place. There's always things that people are getting rid of. And if you want any of these items, come look me up. I'll uh, give Death Piles and Taxes people a, a reasonable discount. <laughs> Send me a message. We'll throw it on. Look at all these things. Like They are. They're one of a kind. And well, that's right. Some of the stuff. like I have a Bobby Sloan um, hat with sequins on it. And if you remember seeing Bobby... She was always wearing these jazzy hats. And, and she had to have it towards the end because she was battling breast cancer. And so I'm like, what do I do with this? So I remember even talking to my parents, and this has been you know multiple years ago, of somehow donating that hat to um, an auction of some sort where the money goes to, to help out people with that cancer. I just need to get to the point where I give it to the right people and it gets to the right spot. So uh, some of the stuff, I mean, it's just like basketballs that – we're just like kids' basketballs. I'm just giving stuff away. Some of it's valuable. There's cookbooks from the Utah Jazz back in the 90s, Carm Loans, homemade uh, uh, beef stroganoff recipes, stuff like that. <laughs> but, I mean, just, just weird things that people will buy, though. I it's, mean, it's, it's been just for Christmas. I sold there was a large pin, like a, like a pin that you put on your person, uh-huh. like a campaign-type pin that says jazz, and it's just like four inches or something. Somebody buys it for $5, you know. There's... Yeah. It's just, uh, to me, it's just been fun. Like it's always saying. entertaining what people buy. And, and thanks for sharing your story. We've been sitting on it for a while. And, and, yeah, you might think that, okay, this is crazy made up, but you can't make up some of these things. I can verify everything that we've talked about. I, I know I skirted around who I got it from and stuff. If you hit me up, I'll tell you. I just don't want a lawsuit because um, I got all my papers. I have to see all my documents, court documents, all the stuff that we had to go through. I just don't want to open up another can of worms, um, but I'll, I'll tell it all. Uh, I got, like, magazines. I just got all sorts of stuff. And, and Adam, I got something. Our, our YouTube, now, I want to save this for this one. Our YouTube's the loneliest YouTube channel on the Internet right now. Agreed. I got stories. I got things. <clears throat> I don't know if you remember, but me and my old friend Andrew Roberry uh, tried to come up with a TV show. I remember. We pitched the TV show. Yes. And there's a whole big story there that's not really sales-related, but it's interesting and it's funny. I'm going to say once we have 100 subscribers on our YouTube channel, oh boy, I'll bring in my friend Andrew Roberry, we'll read our sitcom, and we'll tell the whole story of how we tried to pitch a TV show, how close it got to being made, everything there, and other bonus. Man, you, you just give us the gift that keeps on going. Uh, what do you think about that? I, uh, well, first, I, I remember that Roberry's still a friend who's in the picture. If you had the other guy, then I was going to be a little concerned. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we'll get into that. I don't know if we can or can't. Uh, we'll, we'll get into several other things, but, man, if you made it this far, thanks for listening. So there's your next bonus. Go out and find some cool things and know for a certain that when you die, your stuff 
will be sitting there. Your family's not going to know what to do with it. Well, here's another thing. Jerry Sloan has a lot of kids and stuff. They obviously didn't they want, want... They don't want to go through all this. No. Yeah, it's worth, like, money. But to some people, it's not worth the headache. No, it's, it's just not. So this is why you list and sell your stuff or... Few items probably give to the kids, but when it's that overwhelming, they say we're just selling everything to uh, this estate company, and they can go through it. We'll take the money, and they just do whatever with their stuff. Just get it out of the house. So, two things certain in life, buddy. Well, that would be for sure. If you know Bobby Sloan or Derek Everett, you got some death piles. You've got a lot of death piles, and when you sell that stuff, when you when you do it, you're gonna have to pay some taxes. <laughs> John said in a press conference, clean, that you remember about Jerry Sloan, that you really can just say, gosh, that was good or bad? Huh? Like I said earlier, he taught our daughter her first word was puck. <laughs> so you do the rest of it. So when we're home, I'm like, no, no, baby. We just went to basketball practice, not hockey. So we get home and case to, and then it register with me. So so anyway, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Okay. But no, you know what I remember the most, and I said it earlier. You, you, he never, he never just singled us out. He would always say, "Guys, good job." But you would catch him every now and then with just a smile on his face, and that right there, he was approving it. So that's that's the most important thing. I remember when you were honoring Larry Miller, you uh, told a story about him outside the locker room when you first got here, and you know, screaming. We're in the locker room. I hear this. Bah! This horrible scream from outside, and he comes charging into the locker room, huffing and puffing like a rhino, just snorting and arms crossed. And is there a story like that that you remember with Jerry? Well, yeah, he got on me. He, he was really getting on me in my young in my career to uh, be more of a leader, be more assertive, be more vocal on the court. And uh, so the next game, I had an opportunity. The game wasn't going our way, and so I stepped up and called the timeout for our team so it wouldn't get away from us. And when I got to the bench, I was greeted rather rudely by Coach Sloan, who thought he was the only one that should call a timeout and really kind of deflated my bubble a little bit. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. He said, no, do you want to coach this team? Which means, do you want to fight to be the coach of this team? And so I I declined. Didn't he ask you if you wanted to coach a team one day about halftime? Yeah, but he he told me, did I want to fight him? He said that to me. He asked if you wanted to fight him? No, he stopped practicing, came in there and said, hey, man, I'll fight you. Fight you as long as I can see you, but it, I'm keeping it clean. Yeah, yeah. As, as young and dumb as I was at the time, I didn't want to try him because he would have tried me. He really would have. So, but no, oh, yeah. Oh, he, I don't know how many times he asked myself and Stock, do we want to coach a team? And every single time was, no, we don't. I don't. No, we don't. So, But you know what, though? Like I said earlier, to have a coach that believed in the system and believed in the plays, even though they maybe wasn't as flashy as people would like, he stuck with them for how many years? Yeah. So that's what I remember the most about Coach Sloan. If you didn't play for Coach Sloan, would you be in the Hall of Fame right now? <laughs> I, I don't know how you even answer that. I mean, it's it's uh, um, we had the benefit of playing with him, and we all succeeded because of great leadership um, on his part. And so, to think of what the possibilities would be without, I'm not going there. But he did make you a better leader, point guard, player. 
Person. Person. Everything. Yeah, I mean, I, Frank Layden used to tell me, he says, look, if you're coaching and you're not making your players better people, then you're not doing a very good job of coaching. And, and uh, I think about that moving forward for, for my own self when I'm coaching kids, but I also think back and say, yeah, you know what? He must have gotten that. He must have said the same thing to Jerry because I think he made all of us better in a lot of ways. You as one of the greatest power forwards uh, that ever lived, no matter. Huh? The, the best? Well, Charles Barkley said well, he's so much better. I should say one of the best. but he, huh? Considered a source. Charles Barkley considers a source. Okay. No, go ahead. One of the toughest SOBs that ever played the uh, in the NBA. How's that? Is that better? Okay. Would you be as tough as you were without Jerry Sloan? Um, I'd be like, stop. You know, he made us good people, better people, by being around him, the way he did things. And I said it earlier. My di- my biggest thing was I didn't want to disappoint people that counted on me. That's one of the guys right there. And then Coach Sloan was another one because they believed in me when a lot of other people didn't. So. How cool is this, guys, to be here honoring a guy that mentored you for so many years? About as good as it gets, and we get to see each other in the process. So it's a, good, it's a great day. And then you have to deal with guys like Brian Russell coming around every now and then. Yeah, but it's neat that Brian came around. He's here, too. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't those the good old days? <laughs> hey, you know what? I think Stock said it earlier. Hey, let me say this. The things that used to go on in those locker rooms, we would be with social media now. We would, I would probably be in, in jail somewhere. <laughs> so we came at the perfect time well. because the stuff we used to do and talk about now – Oh gosh, ain't no telling. So, you concur? You concur, doctor? <laughs> I concur. Okay. Thanks, guys. This is fun, huh? Thank-